You're a man. Yeah. I mean... Does that look like her? You have been my greatest love. Be careful, Diana. I do not deserve you. Have you never met a man before? I mean, what about your father? I had no father. I was brought to life by Zeus. Well, that's neat. I'm Steve Travers' secretary. What is a secretary? I go where he tells me to go and I do what he tells me to do. Yeah, well, where I'm from, that's called slavery. I really like her. Fantastic. Oh, Ladies, I'm after you. I do. I like her. Hey, everybody. This is Alex. This is episode number 114. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network. So be sure to head on over to the BatmanUniverse.net to help support the TBU server cost drive, Tim. Congratulations, Dane. There we as go. Smooth as can be. <laughs> well, it took me like three tries. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. But that's okay because I got it. I, I got it done, and now we can move on to some other stuff. Yes, right? we can. <laughs> yeah, the hard part's out of the way. And you know what I realized when uh, I, I was listening to our podcast, and I, I realized I never introduced any of any of us. I'd say it, it's not never, but it is hit and miss, I will say that. Okay, so my name is Dane, and I have Tim with me. Tim, say hi to people. Hello, listen, everybody from everywhere. That listen to this podcast. That listens to this podcast. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Thanks for feeding me the rest of my line, Dane. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, um, so, what should we get to first, Tim? Uh, you know what? It's been a while since we had some fun baseball discussions on this show, and we're right in the midst of the trade deadline, and I didn't ask you about this yet, Dane. I, okay. I needed to get your opinion and just <laughs> what you think of it, because it's pretty crazy. Nothing to do with trades, but you heard the story with Chris Sale last week, right? 
Right. Where he did not want to wear the throwback jerseys. So instead of just, you know, wanting to pitch for his team and, you know, just be a team player, go out and do it despite being uncomfortable, he decided to get a pair of scissors, cut up all the team's throwback jerseys so he wouldn't have to wear them and none of the other players would have to wear them. Like, when I heard that, I'd never heard this happen before in any type of baseball story. It's, it's like something so crazy you wouldn't think would happen, but yes, it did. I was like, uh, like who does, I know he's one of the best pitchers in the league, but come on. like You can't be doing stuff like that, being insubordinate and letting your team down by being suspended five games. Like, come on. It was just one of those crazy stories that you just never hear happening, but yet it did happen. And I don't get why he had such a problem with the throwback jerseys. Yeah, it's not like the first time he's ever pitched in throwback jerseys and i'm sure he's pitched well in them yeah and any team that he goes to has throwback jerseys once in a while except the yankees except the yankees because that never changed nope. <laughs> for 100 plus years but it was like man I mean, now there's all these trade talks about him like if will the white Sox deal him just because you know this isn't the first incident that happened where he's had some disagreements with the front office. I mean, the whole thing in spring training with Adam LaRoche, he got into it with the GM and the president. So, so is he retired, uh, LaRoche? I don't think he, I don't know if he's officially retired, but he hasn't played this year at all. Yeah. Yeah. Just because of that thing with his, uh, his son with the front, yeah. And the front office. Yeah. So it was like, uh, he's like one of those players, I think where he's definitely great in talent, but might be a headache in the clubhouse. <laughs> yeah. So I think teams are probably going to want to, if they want to trade for him, throw that in to get a cheaper deal. Like, Hey, we're, we'll take him off your hands and we'll deal with them. So give us a discount on whatever players we have to give up. Hopefully the A's can pick him up. He's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they definitely need a starter. And then they can <laughs> flip him off for another pair of prospects later on. Oh yeah, some prospect that they'll end up trading again. Yeah. Else. <laughs> so are the A's pretty? Are they still dead and out of it? And how dangerous? Do they I have like a sliver so. of chance in the wild card? I think so. I think they they went into the All Star break last last place in the in the AL West, and I think they're still in last place. I think <laughs> uh, them and uh, the the Angels keep on. The Angels uh, are awful. That's not, anyway, I haven't checked the West standings, but I wouldn't be surprised if the A's are ahead of the Angels. I don't think so. I mean, I, to, to be honest, since the All-Star break, I haven't really been following A's baseball mm. or baseball in general because, I mean, I'm an A's fan and their season is kind of over already. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's kind of I'm, I'm going to be joining bad. you pretty soon, Dana, <laughs> with the Yankees. <laughs> that weird... I'm glad they traded Chapman, and I yeah. think they should trade whoever else they have that could be dealt with, like Carlos Beltran and some other players. It's just you know, they're not going to make it this year, even though you know they're technically they have a chance in the wild card race, but it doesn't look good. So yeah. just do the smart thing, and this is the opportunity the Yankees haven't had in geez ever since I can remember being a fan of them, where they're <laughs> going to be sellers and have a chance to get some good prospects. So like, don't blow it. But on the bright side this year, the Yankees are finally having a Star Wars night in August. <laughs> oh, finally. <laughs> At Yankee Stadium, I know. I think, I, I think uh, the A's have one like every quarter. <laughs> it <laughs> every seems like they always have yeah, like every homestand. They have a they have a fireworks show or a Star Wars fireworks show or a Star Wars dress up night. You know? I know. Star Wars night's always cool, so I'm glad the Yankees are finally doing it. And you get a R two Yankee beanie if you 
like the first 10,000 fans or something who go there. Oh, that's, that's cool. So something to look forward to this season in Yankee baseball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Postseason is pretty unlikely. But. And the A's are currently, as of, uh, what's today? The 29th? The 30th, actually. 30th. July 30th, they are in fourth place. They're, oh, a, game, yeah, they're, they're a game ahead of the Angels. <laughs> Uh, but there's 12 and a half games out of first. Uh, yeah. I mean, do they even have players that teams are going to want that they can trade off? I know Sonny Gray's been mentioned. Uh, yeah, I think it's Gray, uh, Redick, maybe? Yeah, I've heard Redick, too. Um, yeah, I I heard uh, Redick like a couple of week, weeks ago, but I, I don't think he wants to be traded. <laughs> I wonder why. I mean, I, I can understand why he likes it there, but... Yeah. It's the chance to play for a playoff team and you know if you like it so much sign back to Oakland as a free agent. Yeah, I don't know. I mean I think it's kinda over at this point. They don't have a bullpen. They they don't have a regular starter. I mean I mean uh closer, sorry. Uh and their their starters it's it's been it's been pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they didn't pick up Tim Lincecum. Have you seen his numbers lately? <laughs> Uh-oh. What happened? He's 2-8, and eight, and he's sporting an 8.69 like, ERA wow. or something like that. <laughs> wow. So it hasn't been a welcome return <laughs> to baseball for Tim Lincecum. Oh. It's too bad he's on the Angels. I know. He's not helping their cause, really. Not really. No, but I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to trade him either. I think the ALS is weak this year. Yeah, it really is. Just Texas is really the only good one. Yeah, Texas. Seattle was supposed to be good. They started good, but they haven't sustained uh, it. Houston is uh, four That's games right. behind. They started out really bad, but now they finally turned it yeah. around and they're making a push. I don't know. I mean, I'm just hoping that come this off season, this upcoming uh, off season that the A's will do something they'll find like this these guys like how how they find these guys that nobody cares about mm-hmm. you know so some minor leaguers that are playing in like double A yeah in their 30s <laughs> <laughs> mix them with a few of their own young players they already have in the system. <laughs> yeah, yeah just, just just somebody you know some some players something that's all I ask for <laughs> I, I just ask for uh, a game over 500 <laughs> ending the season. Okay, that's all I ask for. <laughs> and you never know; they can't surprise you like they did on previous years, where they were expected to be really bad. So, oh yeah, you never know what the A's. I mean, there was the two ALDSs, but now it's just. I hope they make something happen this <laughs> this upcoming off season. Another, let's wait and see what Billy Bean has up his sleeve. Not Billy Bean anymore. He's not the GM? Oh, that's right. He got promoted. Yeah, he got promoted to uh, baseball operations. Yeah. I'm sure he still has his hands in there, though. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. I forgot about that. But anyway, uh, we haven't done a baseball talk in a while, so it's good to catch up on that and have an amusing story to to, to boot to talk about that. (laughs) Chris sailed me. So, um, anyway, I, I... I guess we can get on to our um, minute-by-minute commentary. Yes, we can. I think we're going to have a good minute, too. Yeah, this is uh, minute 64 to 65. So get your HD DVD. Get your um, 
beta tape, get your VHS, get uh, your projector. Your um, laser disc? Laser disc. Keep on forgetting about those. How can I forget about those? <laughs> those are so, they're like big discs. I know. <laughs> How can you miss them? Um, so, so, so get all your uh, media that's in the past and um, just queue it up to the 64th minute. And I'm going to give the countdown. So, Tim, are you ready? Let's do it. Right, three, two, one, hit play. And we got a few more seconds of Daggett left. Uh-oh. Doesn't look good for him. It's not smart to yell at Bane like he's doing. No. Even if you think you're in charge, you just look at Bane like you don't talk to him like that. I don't think you should talk to any, I mean, yell at any human that close. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love how Bane just slightly looks over to him and says, leave us, and then his hands on his, <laughs> right on his shoulder like by his like, you just know, uh, something bad's gonna happen. Uh-oh. I know everyone likes to joke about Bane's voice, and in certain scenes, yeah, it's a little too exaggerated. But in this one, I think this is where it's perfect. It's how you know menacing yeah. and threatening it sounds. And this is dialogue is really cool here. Like so I was like, you think this gives you power over me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dag, it just a few short seconds. He was yelling. Now he's about ready to cry. <laughs> and snap. <Yeah. laughs> All right. That's, that's well, like the perfect spot to end it off. Yeah. <laughs> like right where he snapped it. On his assistant's face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, finally we got... To, it, I, I realized it's been a while since we saw Bane. Yeah, that, the last that's time right. we saw him was the, um, the Catwoman scene. Mm-hmm. So, at least we get to see Bane again. Yeah, now it's going to be a little bit before we see him again. No. I think the next part is the actual fight with him and Batman. Oh, good. Oh, well, I, I think we've got a couple more things, right? Yeah. Because I think uh, Talia and uh, Bruce meet up, and he, he has that monologue with uh, John Blake in the car. Yeah. So, so, so we got a while to the, the Nightfall fight. Not to mention when he meets up Catwoman and they go through the sewers. That's probably oh, take right. a minute or two. So Yeah. Yeah, still got a long ways to go, but we're inching closer and closer. <laughs> inching closer and closer. <laughs> uh, but Tim, why don't you tell the good people at listening at home uh, our feature topic for this episode? With pleasure, because it's a great one. <laughs> Tons of stuff to talk about, because last weekend was Comic-Con. And boy, the DC stuff did not disappoint, <laughs> especially on the movie front. So we're going to recap all that stuff and some of the smaller things that got announced that we're excited for so we're going to work our ways up to you know the smaller announcements up to the big ones which of course are the trailers we got so to kick it off i'm going to go with the first thing that got me pumped up which is another batman teenage mutant ninja turtles crossover and i shouldn't be too surprised because they hinted at it even at the end of the last issue and it did so well i think both sales wise and uh, response from fans and critics did really well. So it shouldn't come as a two a shock that we're getting a sequel. But Dane, if you were to ask me what would make a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Batman crossover even better, what would you think I'd say? Uh, if maybe if um, maybe if the Yankees were, <laughs> <laughs> were a part of this somehow. You know what? I can't argue with that. That would make it better. <laughs> but the thing I would say is, you know, it, it would be great to have it set 
in the animated series universe. Yay, finally, and Tim. And the Ninja Turtles. And that's what I'm getting. It's like, <laughs> wow. Can this get any better for a Turtles and Batman fan like me? It's going to be so good. And I love the teaser image they put out for it. Because if you remember the new Batman Adventures logo where it had Batman, Batgirl, and Robin and Nightwing. It's like in a red silhouette um, in the black, black dark round, a back, uh, a black background, background. <laughs> yes. there you go yeah i could talk <laughs> my excitement is still you know i'm still able to talk despite that <laughs> but it's like that except you got batman and the four turtles on there and like i said they're in the style of the animated series for both batman and the new nickelodeon animated series which is airing right now which is just a phenomenal series for the turtles so it's the best of both worlds and i cannot be more excited for it so it comes out in august and it's going to be um, written by uh, Matthew K. Manning, who I guess worked on Beware the Batman, and artist John uh, Samariva, if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, he's worked on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Amazing Adventures comics, so it's good to get talent who's familiar with both franchises. And while I did wish you know, James Tinian could have continued with another story, but understandably, if he's uh, too busy working on Detective and other projects, that's fine, because he's killing it there. So it, I'm excited for it, and Having it set in that animated series universe of both, I just can't stress enough how cool that is, and I just can't wait to see what kind of story they deliver. So I'm kind of hoping where the Turtles went to Gotham in the last story, Batman can go into you know New York in the Turtles universe or Dimension X or something more on the Turtles front since we saw them in Gotham. So hopefully that's where they go, but man, I am super excited for it. Well, Tim, is it going to be a 5 out of 5 every... Uh, is it bi-weekly or monthly? No, it didn't say that. I imagine it's probably going to be monthly. Oh, so it's going to be five out of five every month then? Probably, yeah. Oh, okay. I well, imagine so. <laughs> <laughs> if the last series was any indication, and if it's anything near that, then yeah. Well, I hope it's everything that you wanted it to be, Tim. Thanks. And, I mean, how cool is it where... If, I, if it does pan out to be like that, I get two Batman and Ninja Turtle stories that are really good. Uh, <laughs> I would never have dreamed that, so I am definitely hopeful. So, so what if this comic came out and Episode 8, along with Rogue One and the, the Han Solo prequel series? <laughs> yeah, they all, all the came out at time. the same time? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Life doesn't get better. <laughs> yeah, I would just be in geek heaven right there. <laughs> Man, we're all getting excited about a Star Wars movie every year. Imagine a Star Wars movie every week for one month. <laughs> <laughs> That'll never happen, but just how crazy would that be? I wonder why they. Um, I wonder why they chose Han Solo for the, you know, the the prequel character centric movies. Well, recently I've been hearing that um, the standalone film ideas did come from George Lucas, but the only one that wasn't was Rogue One, so I'm thinking this was something George Lucas had planned early oh. on, so maybe yeah. this is a story they're still going with with that. Uh, so, I guess I can hold out hope for a Kidster movie. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the story everyone's dying to see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Rebel Force radio guys have a point. What happened to them? <laughs> <laughs> Anakin has to think about him sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah, because of his best friend when he was on Tatooine. I remember after episode one came out, everyone, there was rumors and theories, oh, it's going to be Boba Fett. That's Boba Fett as a little kid. <laughs> really? Everybody thought that was Boba Fett? 
Yeah, I should say everybody, but I saw enough rumors <laughs> about that or theories of fans thinking that. And then Attack of the Clones came out. Yeah. And then, oh, okay, so we had Jangle Fett. Now we, now we have a, a, or we have a Jangle Fett, so that must be both. <laughs> yeah, you saying. got a much better backstory than being Kidster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, back to Comic-Con. Yeah. Uh, the next thing that came out was we got our first look at uh, the animated series Justice League Action. They had a panel for that on Friday, and they showed the actual first episode. And it got a good response from the crowd that was there, and people live blogging it and tweeting it said that first episode was really fun. Um, they described it as like some of the Justice League characters being trapped in a video game by Toy Man, and it was parroting different things like Street Fighter and the Injustice game, which to me sounds really cool. So everyone said it was fun, great action, the voice talent was great, of course, with Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill back as Batman and Joker. So it's sounding like a really good series that, you know, when it was first announced, uh, I was excited for it, but even though knowing it was going to be slightly more geared towards a younger audience, which is fine. So, but I'm glad to hear that it's not quite on the Teen Titans Go level, but more on the Brave and the Bold front, which is awesome if you ask me, because Brave and the Bold is such a good series. So I was excited to hear those reactions from people about Justice League action. But then after that, they actually premiered the first trailer for it, which I was hoping for, but didn't come out right after that panel. So I don't know if we we're going to get anything. So, But I was glad that we did. And yeah, I'm excited for it. It looks really good. Everything I was just saying about the tone of it, the animation style looks really fun. And it does. I'm, I'm getting the Brave and the Bold vibe, except it's going to be with Justice League and so many characters <laughs> involved with it, and with Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman being at the forefront. So it's really cool. And the one thing I was curious about was this animation style, knowing that it is kind of geared sort of more for a younger audience. How would Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill's voices, you know, fit with that style? And I've said plenty of times that. Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill, too. Their voices are so perfect for Batman and Joker. It can be any style <laughs> or artistic design for those characters, and I think their voices would fit. And It still rings true here. Hearing Kevin Conroy's voice with this Batman sounds really good. And he has a, a great moment at the end of the trailer where he like kicks uh, in, like a, I think, like an aircraft that Mr. Freeze has. This kicks through the glass pushes Mr. Freeze down and he just gives a little smirk and a smile says like miss me and it's like I said it's more of a fun playful tone but yet it works really good and there's a scene where you get to hear Mark Hamill as the Joker too and I like his design it's a little reminded me a little bit of the Return of the Joker slash Justice League design but you know more the exaggerated or I guess more uh uh cartoony i guess for lack of a better words but it still looked good and mark hamill's voice <laughs> goes perfect with it too he says it's something more like go superman and then he catches himself like ooh, like did i just say that type of thing <laughs> so funny stuff like that and then we got a good uh, look at that first episode i was talking about where they're in a fighting game and it was kind of mimicking young justice and there's a moment where it looks like batman was doing a special move where he had a green lantern ring or a quick it might have been a kryptonite ring because I believe he hits uh, Superman with that. But just how they're staging this sequence of making it look like a fighting game is really it looks really neat. So I can't wait for it. We saw stuff with Firestorm. Then you saw stuff with Zatanna. Harley was in there. So a great mix of villains Whoa, and heroes. So Tim. yeah, how could you not mention the greatest part? Oh, of I forgot. Trailer? I forgot, Dane. Yeah, you must be super excited. It's an instant sell. I'm going to be watching Justice League Action for Plastic, Plastic Man. Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He is in it. 
He makes a triumphant return to <laughs> uh, animation. Because <laughs> we've seen him in a few Brave and the Bold episodes, but this is the first time we're going to see him with other members of the Justice League and DC characters interacting with Plastic Man. So yeah, yeah I, I imagine that you would have been super excited when you saw that part. Oh, yeah. It was an instant <laughs> sell for me. I'm going to be tuning in every week to see how Plastic Man saves the day over, <laughs> over Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and whoever else. <laughs> yeah, because you know it's not going to be Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman helping Plastic Man and saving him. He's going to be helping them out and getting yeah. them out of jams, of course. Oh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> all the time. Yeah, maybe it should just be called Justice League Plastic because you know he's going to be the main character, obviously. Or uh, a Plastic Man <laughs> featuring Justice League. <laughs> yeah, Plastic Man action featuring Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman <laughs> characters in real small fonts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, all that stuff I'm excited for. I like the look of it. The tone of it seems really good. So, and again, I said this when it was first announced, but it's good that we're getting a DC animated show that is for a younger audience because we have all the DC animated movies, which is geared towards older fans like us. But at the same time, you need that stuff to get younger fans into these characters and into superheroes, comics and all that stuff through these series that are geared towards them. So it's a good, the best of both worlds. If you ask me when we have animated shows like this, plus the movie. So yeah, I can't wait to see it when it premieres. Yeah, it looks good. And I agree with you. Yep. So that was a good day on Friday where we got uh, the T- Turtles announcement, Justice League action trailer, and then, you know what, this is where I can't remember if this came Friday or Thursday, but it was still cool when we got it. The second uh, trailer for Injustice 2 where we got to reveal two new characters. Well, one new, one just coming back from the first game, which is Wonder Woman, who looks cool, has a new set of uh, finishing move, it looks like, from the first one, and her costumes, that you know how everyone's going to have their pieces of armor. Uh, some of them didn't look as great as her, just her classic costume. So, hers, <laughs> whenever I'm playing as Wonder Woman, I'll probably just stick with her basic <laughs> costume that she always has, the classic. But the character I'm really excited that got announced in this trailer was Blue Beetle. And he's someone I've been wanting to see in the game since the first one. And because I know he just had these awesome movesets just from reading his comics from the New 52 and seeing him in like Young Justice and Brave and the Bold. I knew he'd be a great character to be in a fighting game, and this trailer proved that. <laughs> he, first of all, he looks awesome. I love his suit, the design of it, and then the different armor that he has for it. Now, he's someone where it's going to be tough to see which armor looks the coolest to play as, because that second one he has on looks awesome, too. So he's pretty much living up to what I expected a Blue Beetle uh, character in a fighting game to be. His moves look awesome with his beams and just the different way his suit expands to attack you. And like I said, the design of it, it just looks really cool. So, And of course, the graphics look amazing on this current-gen <laughs> system. So I'm excited that Blue Beetle's finally in it. And just another character I'm going to have to... Hopefully he's not a hard one to master and could be someone I could get familiar with and good as pretty early on because he's someone I know I'm going to want to use a lot. After Batman, of course, but he's definitely a character I can't wait to try as. Do you have uh, that the the uh, joystick and the, the the buttons like the old arcade? No, I never preferred those actually. Cabinets, yeah. I always did better with a controller. Oh, my all-time favorite console controller is the Super Nintendo one. I just fit in my hand so perfectly. I love the shoulder <laughs> buttons, and every time I played Street Fighter on that, it's 
I was like melted in my hands and I was part of the game where I just everything flowed so smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> I have yet to capture that feel of being so comfortable with a controller in a fighting game anyway as that Super Nintendo one. Especially for really? that D-pad. I love the D-pad on the Super Nintendo. You see, my favorite controller, and it kind of ha- hasn't changed a lot, is the, the PS1 controller. I really like that one. That is a good one, yeah. Yeah. I also love how Sony has never changed it pretty much. I mean, they yeah, added the DualShock insane. sticks, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah the, dual st- the DualShock. Uh, did they change anything else? The Oh, the um, I guess the, the pause buttons and the... I guess the, the PS4 has the share button. And yeah, the, that. The, the, the shoulder pad. buttons might have been adjusted a little bit, too. Yeah. But the basic design of it and how you grip it always stayed the same, which I think has been cool because... Nintendo always changes theirs, and Microsoft always changes theirs. Yeah. <laughs> well, Microsoft, I think, launched with the worst controller ever. You remember that oh, big, yeah. fat, black one? <laughs> yeah, the uh, Xbox... Uh, not the Xbox One, the, the original Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that name is still stupid, I'm sorry, <laughs> to call yeah. this current gen system an Xbox One. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's too bulky, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I remember when I First off, like, like <laughs> this cannot be comfortable for any type of game. Or even, it, it kind of has the, the design of, I mean, it kind of reminds me of the N64 controller. Uh, you you know how that one was kind of awkward where yeah. you kind of held the right one and the, the, the middle one? And then to, to get to the, uh, uh, what's, it, what's that called, Tim? The T, the uh, directional. Uh, oh, the D-pad. Yeah, the D-pad. Yeah, okay. But you had to like move your hand from the middle one to the to the uh, left one. Yeah, but the, the 64 control I think was a little smaller. Yeah, I agree. It was kind of awkward when you first yeah. try to play it. But Xbox One or the first Xbox was just way too big, especially yeah. if someone had small hands. <laughs> yeah. So thankfully they redesigned that not too long. We maybe like a year or two after it came out, they got a new controller, which was a lot better. Yeah, and did you see the Xbox One has like that Elite controller or whatever it's called? Yeah, I haven't tried it yet, but it's one of those things where why can't you just put that out with the system <laughs> when it yeah. first launched? Like, come on, isn't it like like a hundred and twenty dollars or something? I don't but, know if it's that much, but it is pretty expensive. I mean, you might not yeah. be far off. What is it supposed to be better at? You know what I really don't remember. I know they made some improvements. I don't know if it's with the D pad or just the response time or certain things, but. I just know kind of when I saw that price tag, I <laughs> knew I probably wasn't going to be getting it, so I didn't look too much into it. Probably because I don't want to know what I'm missing. <laughs> yeah. So I'm getting by just fine with the one I got with it. So I haven't found yeah. a need to look into or find out what makes the Elite one so much better because I haven't had any problems with it. And what's that 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 touch pad or that pad in the you know in the middle of the PlayStation 4 controller? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is that for? It, just a touchpad. I mean, whoever developers want to use it in their games, I mean, certain games, you, I'm sure it requires you to do certain things with it, but just another right. option, I guess, for developers to use. Oh. But yeah, nothing really major, I think, has been used <laughs> with that either, but it's there. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if they use it for injustice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to do a move, you just swipe your hand on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, like, you would have to like do some swiping move or... Yeah, would it be a bad thing to like throw Batman's battering, just swipe it real quick on that touchpad, and they fly out? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> then you can just go crazy and just like slide it real fast, and you do nothing but batterings. Yeah. 
But, oh, oh, and by the way, before we get to the the, the trailers, oh okay, yeah, I I rewatched uh, Batman Batman v Superman. Oh, it's like the third uh, time now since you gotten it on uh, or downloaded it. I like like the second time, and I I I, I kind of skipped around. Mm, sure. And I think the problem with that movie is Lex Luthor. <laughs> He's part of it, but for me, you know what? It's funny yeah. every time I see the movie, I. I don't mind Lex Luthor more and more. Like I accept him more and more the more I watch really? him. This, this is his version, and yeah, it's not the one I like. But I don't know. There's something about it where he, he's growing on me. I should say. Because for for me, it's the other way around. Where <laughs> it gets it, worse. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, Jesse Eisenberg is trying to be Heath Ledger's Joker. Hmm. You know the the pop yeah. culture references, the pop culture psychology. You know. Stuff like that. Is he, I think he's trying to be like Heath Ledger's Joker. And it's not co- coming off right, you know? Yeah, well, it's definitely not, nowhere near that level of performance, that's for sure. But Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're not the only one I've heard say that. But, and I was right there with you when I first saw the movie. But yeah, I don't know what it is. It's, maybe I'm just accepting it more that this is this movie universe is like Sluthor. And I, I really love every moment when right before the Batman v Superman fight and he's talking with Lois and Superman and all this stuff. I think that is probably his best part of the whole movie. See, yeah, I don't like that because <laughs> I, I think he's overacting mm. in those scenes. I don't know. Yeah, well, <laughs> again, it's one of those things where I could definitely understand where you're coming from, but yeah, I'm, I guess I'm just accepting it, so yeah. <laughs> I'm not faulting you for thinking that at all. So, and you know what I don't understand? You know when I think it's, it, is it Bruce that looks at all of the like, like the cyborg file and the the uh, well, Aquaman file? Or, I'm sure or you saw, him, but in the movie it was Wonder Woman. It was Wonder Woman, yeah. right? Did did Lex Luthor design all of their <laughs> their um? Logos, yeah, they're logos. Apparently, each one has their own logo. Yeah. Like, 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 did he get LexCorp's graphic designer to design each, you know, logo? You know what? I'm sure he's smart enough to do it on himself too. But yeah, or he, you know, might figure, you know, I'll get someone else to do it. I don't have time, but they must have logos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I I rewatched that, and I was like, wait, this is Lex's thing. So he must have uh, designed it himself then. Or he must have one of the LexCorp graphic designers do it. <laughs> yeah, and all the heroes decide to keep it once they get those. Or <laughs> maybe they see those folders and they decide, you know what, those look cool. I'm going to keep it on my suit anyway, even <laughs> though it's from a homicidal maniac. <laughs> but, or or maybe Bruce did it before he sent it to Diana, you know, went through there and created his own folders and stuck yeah. logos on there. But. <laughs> I think that's going to be a question we'll never know the answer to. Yeah, and another thing I I realized is it, there's too much characters. Oh. It should have just been Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. He did that whole Lois subplot, subplot. You did not need at all. Yeah, that that definitely took a lot. Played a part into the pacing issues I've had. With yeah, and you know what I realized? You know, you know what made me realize that? Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> I mean, because all he does is that all he does in that movie is 
uh, talk to Clark about the the football game, co- covering the football game. <laughs> See, I really liked his Perry White. I mean, I think he was in it just the right time, as much as you would expect Perry White to be in a movie like this. So I don't think yeah. he was a problem, but I think he was great, actually. I love his Perry White. But the, the lowest stuff was the big one for me. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that Batman fight um, in, in that warehouse is <laughs> amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's going to be a highlight for Batman in the DC Extended Universe, but I think Wonder Woman might get her own sequence like that pretty soon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, so, yeah, let's get into the big stuff. Warner Brothers Hall H panel on Saturday, and it started Saturday morning, like 11.30, something like that. So I don't know if you were up right away, Dick, because I know it's way earlier for you in Hawaii, but um, I made sure... I was, you know, didn't go anywhere at that time. I was home, ready to see everyone's tweets and hopefully uh, see trailers released after, you know, what happened last year. I mean, they released Batman v Superman's trailer last year, but then the whole Suicide Squad fiasco. And thankfully, they released everything, which is awesome for us fans who aren't able to go there. So definitely glad that they did that. But yeah, and to be fair, they um, for for the Justice League trailer, didn't they have like a card in front of it? Yeah, saying something. Say. It was just for Comic-Con, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was not expecting that to be released. Because it didn't come out, I think, as quick as the Wonder Woman did after they showed it there. It took maybe a few more minutes. But when we got it, <laughs> I was definitely yeah. glad we did. So, yeah, it was cool stuff. So I was surprised, too, they kicked off their whole panel with the DC movies. Because you would figure that's their big thing. They want to save that for last. But they started it right away, which was cool. And they brought out all the directors. Uh, first for uh, Suicide Squad... Justice League, Wonder Woman, uh, Aquaman, Flash, and then I think it's, what, the tenth time now that it's officially confirmed, but Ben Affleck will be the director of the Batman movie. So, <laughs> he brought him out, and I think how they had it, which is kind of cool, they had they brought him all out in order when the movies are coming out. So, you had Ben Affleck right after James Wan, who's directing Aquaman, which is 2018. So, that makes us think maybe the Batman movie will be 2019. So, maybe... We won't have to wait about, what, three more years for it, which isn't too bad when you think about it, knowing that we're getting Justice League. So that's, I mean, of course, Ben Affleck had those comments saying, you know, we're not going to set any date until the script is exactly right. So, (laughs) but I'm sure they have a target date they're shooting for, and I think that's going to be 2019. But that was cool. They brought all the directors out, and then they had uh, the panels for each movie, and the first one up was Wonder Woman. And we got the trailer, and boy... (laughs) Was this trailer, I'm just going to use the pun, wonderful. <laughs> it oh, was okay. so good. And, and where to begin? It just looks beautiful. How it's shot, the tone of it, the color of, of how the film is. It just looks really, really beautiful. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be one of those, maybe monumental is a strong word, but I think it can be one of those monumental comic book movie films. It's the first one, or first major one really to star the female superhero, which is the biggest female superhero ever with Wonder Woman. And it just really looks, <laughs> it looks so good. And man, you got the visual aspect of it with the mascara, how it starts off of her seeing rescuing Steve Trevor after, I don't know if it's plane crash or a shipwreck. <laughs> well, I don't know how he's going to get on the Island, but it's usually a plane crash. So we'll see if they do that. It just looks really good. And then seeing, you know, that a conference area with the, Queen Apolita and the other Amazons that just the 
set design just looks really cool. How do you ex- picture the mascara to look in a movie? So just from a visual standpoint, Paradise Island, the mascara, it looks really cool and how I was hoping it would. And then you throw in when Wonder Woman goes to, you know, Mankind's world and it's set in the era of 1914 and it movies perfectly capturing that look also. So many great shots where where she's going through that ballroom where she picks up her sword or her and the battlegrounds and the, the battles of World War One coming out of that trench doing battle with her golden lasso, which just looked incredible. <laughs> the lighting <laughs> on that lasso is just so cool. I loved how that looks and just the action that's going to have. So, so much good stuff. And the dialogue that we got in the trailer was funny too. And uh, everything's just flowing. Her, the chemistry, I think, between Gal Gadot and Chris Pine is coming off together good on in the clips we got in this trailer. So I'm just ecstatic about it. Everything's coming together. Action, look, dialogue. I think the story yeah. is, is going to be what we expect from a Wonder Woman origin film, too. So, man, I just can't wait. I thought it looked incredible. Not to mention the the Wonder Woman outfit. Oh, it's man. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> in, in this I mean, movie, in every... I think I texted uh, this to you, Tim, but every time I see new images from the Wonder Woman movie or whatever, it just keeps on looking better and better and better. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, specifically for this Wonder Woman uh, movie, it's because it's a lighter movie. The the cinematography is lighter. And uh, it it, it just looks great. It, It looks awesome. I know you and me were geeking out earlier that week when like those Entertainment Weekly pictures came out, yeah. like how awesome her suit looks, and then when we finally saw it in motion in this trailer, it just looks even better. I mean, the sh- shots where she's in battle, even that moment where she's it's like slow mo of her walking or coming out of the trench, ready to fight those soldiers, it just looked really cool. And there's that awesome shot where bullets are flying her over her. She has with her shield just blocking everything. It's, oh, it's yeah. really awesome. Like something just straight out of the comics. Like you, you see that and there's Wonder Woman right there. <laughs> it just looks straight out from the comics. Yeah, exactly. Like that picture I sent you from the, the Entertainment Weekly yep. um, article where it's it's the side view and she's holding up the shield. I mean, how, how is that picture not Wonder Woman? I know, really. Like Every single you know artist that's ever drawn her from the beginning to now that's like she she looks exactly like that gal gadot looks exactly like that yeah <laughs> so good yeah another awesome part of the trailer too which i wasn't expecting the movie to do but i think it's going to be an awesome sequence where it looks like there's a big battle that's going to take place on the mascara against soldiers and the amazons which look yeah awesome there's that great shot where you see an amazon just jump real high in slow-mo with her bow and arrow and about to shoot a soldier. <laughs> it's like really awesome. Then you get some other cool shots there. And I would say probably my favorite shot, it's just, because I just like the coloring and how it's all, you know, being played out and choreographed is that moment with her golden lasso using that. It just looks so cool. That was a moment where it just really struck me. Like, man, this Wonder Woman movie is going to be awesome. The lasso just seemed to glow like that. When we saw a little bit of a Batman v Superman, but like you mentioned, in this, you know, brighter color scheme for the movie and tone of it, it just looked even better. And just seeing how she's using it to fight actual, you know, human soldiers and not a big monster and how she's using it, you know, to take them out efficiently and quickly, it just looked really good. And the part where I tease about <laughs> where maybe Wonder Woman's going to have her own Batman warehouse fight sequence, that moment where she's in that room taking on those soldiers looks <laughs> almost just as good as that so far. I mean, that's the best part of the trailer. <laughs> for me anyway yeah I definitely could see why it, 
but if I have one little nitpick, I would say I'm not a huge fan of a lot of slow-mo action stuff. I mean, it works fine for movies like The Matrix, but I don't like seeing it too much in, like, in comic book movies or even Star Wars and stuff like that. So I think it's cool when you had it with the Amazon jumping about to buy the arrow, but there was that one shot where Wonder Woman's about to do that uh, roundhouse kick and it's in slow motion. I mean, it's fine. It's not going to ruin anything for me, but I just don't hope they don't overuse slow motion too much because... I want to see Wonder Woman in fast-paced action fights and uh, fight sequences throughout the movie, not necessarily a lot of slow-mo stuff, because I like it when we see the speed and the agility of these characters and how they can fight. So that's my one little nitpick. But again, it doesn't (laughs) ruin how awesome this trailer is overall. (laughs) Just so good. Yeah, and going back to uh, Samascaro, I hope we get more scenes in Samascaro. Um... Because uh, in Man of Steel, I think, you know how the movie begins where Clark is born and, you know, yeah. there, there's that whole hearing thing. I mean, that, that whole, you know, uh, battle on Krypton. Mm, yeah. And everything looks amazing and big. And then we go to, and then they send Clark off to Earth and then it's... It's kind of, you get the feeling where it's it's kind of like I kind of want to go back to Krypton. I kind of want more scenes in Krypton. Mm, yeah. So I hope we go back to Themyscira, and it looks like we are because I don't think they're gonna have that that big battle scene or whatever in the beginning of the movie before you know Diane Diana goes off to um, uh, I guess the our world the our world. <laughs> Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think there's a good chance we're going to see the mascara throughout the movie and a good reason because it doesn't blow up in the beginning like Krypton does. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. I think that action sequence on Paradise Island is going to be the final one. I mean, I'm just speculating here, but if I had to guess, we're probably going to get that action sequence of her in the trench. That might be like a middle action set piece, and then the yeah. big one comes at the end on the mascara because it seems like a big way to cap off a movie where maybe it gets invaded by uh, human soldiers and that was something they wanted to try to avoid and did not want to see happen throughout. And they probably warned Diana of that, but then it comes to fruition at the end. They have to do battle with them. But all the, another cool piece too was uh, just not even just the trailer, but just how the movie is shaping up to be with them. It's Steve Trevor. I really like how Chris Pine is playing Steve Trevor here. He has some good one-liners. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, where he, where she says, "I was brought to life by Zeus," and he just laying there in that boat. It's like eh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end too. Uh, well, first off, I loved how the trailer. Like we're getting all these action shots. It's Steve Trevor firing a gun. You see Wonder Woman taking out soldiers, and then there's that great moment where like it fades to black, and then the Wonder Woman theme from Batman v Superman, which you know I'm a big fan of, <laughs> plays, and then you see the awesome Wonder Woman logo, and I think it, that music just goes perfect with that logo and and the trailer. It's really cool, but and then I liked how they ended it on kind of a funny note, where Steve Trevor secretary introduces herself, and <laughs> Diana doesn't know what a secretary is. And she's like, oh, I, you know, run his errands, do what he says, and she's like, oh, well, where I come from, that's slavery. <laughs> she's like, oh, I like her, and Steve Trevor's like, okay, let's go, come on, ladies, move on. <laughs> So it's a well put together trailer that had all the cool action beats you want from a comic book movie. And then for diehard Wonder Woman fans who've been waiting for a movie, I mean, 
I don't think you can ask for anything better so far as far as what we're seeing. It just looks like everything at least I was hoping for. And then you have some levity to it too. So it's just all coming together for, I think, a nice package (laughs) as far as selling it in a trailer. So I'm willing to say it's my second most anticipated movie of next year because I still got to give it to episode eight on that. But (laughs) when it comes to comic book movies and everything else, I just can't wait for Wonder Woman. I think it's going to be something special. And I hope it, uh, I hope it changes the mind of all those people that didn't like the Wonder Woman uh, outfit. Mm-hmm. Remember when uh, yeah. the, the first images were released of it? Yeah. I hope this kind of you know changes their mind and they're able to say you know Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman. I think she already did turn a lot of the naysayers in Batman v Superman because. Yeah regardless of people who liked it or didn't, I really haven't heard anyone say they didn't like Wonder Woman or Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman in that movie. So I'm yeah, sure she, there are still some naysayers out there, but I think once we see her in a full movie, yeah, I think she's going to silence all of them. She was one of the best parts of Batman v Superman. So. Definitely, yeah. I mean, it left everyone wanting to see more of her. So oh, yeah. we're definitely going to get it. So yeah, yeah, I can't wait. And how's that dress she was wearing with the... It looked like a sword or something. Yeah, <laughs> the, the back piece was a sword or something. Uh-huh. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. Just, I'm curious what that event is, and you know, yeah. no one saw it <laughs> or saw her <laughs> with that. Or maybe she comes in right away and takes it out. So I don't know. But yeah, it did look cool. So why don't you talk about the big one, Tim? Yeah, the big one, and I got to say, like expected slash unexpected, because <laughs> we knew Justice League was going to be have a presence there with Zack Snyder and some of the cast, but. Uh, wasn't sure if we were going to get footage. I had a feeling they would show probably what they had shown to journalists on the set visits, like that flash sequence, or maybe even that Gordon uh, rooftop sequence they filmed. But, I mean, we got something better. We got a sizzle reel, or I mean, it's pretty much a trailer, even though it's not technically called a trailer. It really is. And, yeah, first of all, I was excited just that we were getting to see it. So I was all pumped up for that. But in the end, I really liked what I saw. I mean... This is another movie I can't wait for. <laughs> and the fact we're getting this and Wonder Woman the same year is going to be awesome. But it was kind of unexpected how it played out. I mean, I didn't know what to expect, but if you were to ask me to try to guess what we would see in the Justice League trailer, I probably wouldn't say what we did get. Because it's basically showing Bruce Wayne recruiting everybody, mainly Flash and Aquaman. And it starts off with him telling the story about you know how Aquaman helps his village and he brings them food. And he's trying to, you know, flush out Arthur Curry, who, if I were to guess, Bruce knows he's here all along, even before he turns around and looks at him. So there, there's that. And then you get, like, little montages of Barry Allen and Cyborg. You get a sequence of what we heard from the set reports about looks like it's going to be the opening prologue, where it almost looks like some Vikings of some sort burying a mother box. So we're getting... Was glad that they showed some of that because you know everything that we heard in the set reports I thought sounded really cool and we got a lot of that stuff shown in this teaser except for that Gordon rooftop sequence so that was the only thing I thought maybe we'd get but didn't but the highlight of the trailer for me is the one that we talked about on the set visit uh, reports where Bruce confronts Barry Allen and tries to recruit him I mean I love what I read on that and hearing everyone's reactions how good it was it definitely lived up to that I mean. Ezra Miller's looking like he's going to be a great Flash. And I'm glad he got a haircut, too, because <laughs> it would have been kind of weird seeing the 
Barry Allen looked like the way he did throughout the whole Justice League movie in the Batman v Superman footage we got with the yeah. beard and long hair. So <laughs> he definitely looks better with that haircut. But I just love the exchange they had and the moment where Bruce throws that battering and you see Barry Allen and the speed force come into effect right there with the lightning. And he just slowly watches it goes by, picks it up, and then <laughs> Bruce is all, oh, so you're fast. And I just love how Barry Allen is so eager to join the team, and that catches Bruce off guard. He was like, oh, stop it right there, I'm in. And Bruce is like, huh, really? <laughs> and even Bruce's uh, reaction is a little different than kind of what we're used to, because in the beginning of the scene, he's all serious, like, Barry Allen, I'm Bruce Wayne, I'm here to you know, tell you about, you know, the invasion or i don't remember the exact dialogue but you get my point but when barry just says stop that i'm in bruce is all like huh really he has a little smile of like almost a relieved look on his face because i'm wondering if this is maybe after aquaman turns him down and maybe hasn't all had a lot of success with recruiting these medic humans and when barry finally says yes it's kind of like a relief to him like yes finally someone's joining me and then it just ends with perfectly with Barry just saying, can I keep this? And the battering. So I like how the trailer starts with little introductions with Aquaman and Barry Allen. Not so much with Cyborg, but then after that moment with Barry, we just get great shots of, you know, the Justice League in action, in costumes, which looks awesome. Uh, I really like Flash's costume. Wasn't sure what quite to expect to see it in motion because, you know, the descriptions and some of the concept art didn't necessarily look like the Flash costume I would hope to see on there. And while it's still not, I don't think, the perfect Flash costume, I think it looks pretty cool. I love how it's a bright red. And the only thing maybe that doesn't have me sold on it is the armor look towards it. But in the end, it's, I don't think it's anything really bad. It just maybe some have to get used to. It still looks like the Flash, definitely. So, But I really liked how Cyborg looked. I think Cyborg looks awesome. Yeah, and, I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Cyborg looked awesome, and I like his voice, too. Yep. It sounds uh, mechanical. I was going to say, too, before we got the trailer, we got that awesome image of all six. Well, I shouldn't say all because we're still missing one important member, Green Lantern, but (laughs) six members of the Justice League in that awesome shot. And that was the first time, because this got out before the trailer was released, so this is our first time seeing the Flash and Cyborg costume. And even from that picture, Cyborg really stood out to me, looking like, man, this is suit's gonna look really cool and then seeing it actually in motion and hearing him talk yeah that just made it look even better and i love the line that he has where he goes to bruce like i thought you were like i didn't think you were real batman's all i'm only real when it's useful (laughs) great line and i think it's a nod to the justice league number one comic from the new 52 where how jordan says that like batman you're real (laughs) so it's a cool line but again just makes me wish you know how jordan is still there (laughs) but i just love the look the scene all these characters together is a it just gets you an awesome feeling that i was hoping for when we'd finally see the justice league together in action and this isn't even the full team yet so we still got to see superman together with all these characters and i think that's going to be be an even more awesome moment when we see all six of them and then hopefully in justice league 2 when we get green lantern and we see all seven of them together that's gonna top this but it's like we're slowly building up to getting all these great characters in the justice league together and once we finally get there it's gonna be phenomenal but this is the first steps first step towards that and it's getting me pumped up so this trailer i also think it did a good job of you know as we talked about before everyone it's not the main complaint, but a lot of people were saying how just Batman v Superman is so grim. There's not a lot of, you know, lightheartedness or levity to it. And I think Justice League is going to be one that's more balanced like that because the jokes hit on here and it still had that 
you know, darker tone to it as far as the look of it, which I personally like from Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, just visually like the darker tone. I like how DC is in that more uh, dark color tone or palette or whatever, like if you would compare it with the Marvel ones. So I'm glad DC has that look and it's still continuing with Justice League, but yet has that levity to it. So I really like this trailer. It got me pumped for it. But if I had to rank them, I'd probably say Wonder Woman was the one that got me more excited and pumped for that movie but justice league is not that far behind i think it's looking really really good yeah i mean the, the, this san diego comic-con to me or for me was wonder woman's comic-con <laughs> I mean, <it laughs> hard was, to argue with that man yeah it was for me it was all wonder woman and i just can't wait for her movie i just want i i, I want to see that movie and with this justice league trailer it really got me interested in this upcoming Aquaman movie because, <laughs> <laughs> because Jason Momoa looks looks good. He, I mean, it's it's not the 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 typical Aquaman we see, but he looks like an underwater Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, probably an accurate comparison. He does seem like he's brooding, like Bruce yeah, Wayne. Yeah, he's dark does. and he's brooding, but I. I I just want to see more of his character because, I mean, we we, we got that one scene in uh, in Batman v Superman, and then and then now we get this Justice League trailer thing. So I'm just uh, I'm excited for the Aquaman movie and the, <laughs> of course the Wonder Woman trailer. I mean, um, movie. Yeah, that was a great way to in line to end the trailer too, where Bruce Wayne just goes, "So Arthur Curry." Hey, you can talk to fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally saw what we see Batman say. This is so <laughs> cool. Yeah. As for Justice League, the the the, the actual movie, I think I'm gonna have to wait and see on that one. Still, don't want to get your hopes up just yet, huh? No. That's fine. I mean, I know you weren't the only one, and you know what? This actually kind of reminded me of what happened last year with Batman v Superman when we got that trailer. I mean, I was over the moon for that trailer, but yet I know yeah. a lot of people were too, but you did see a lot of, you know, still people skeptical who didn't like man of steel regarding Batman v Superman. And I'm kind of seeing the same thing with the justice League trailer for those who didn't like BVS and, you know, saying, you know, it looks good, but still going to be skeptical or some are just saying, yeah, I'm just gonna have to wait and see, or it didn't do anything for me yet. So I'm kind of seeing a similarity yeah. with this trailer and the one we got for Batman v Superman from last year. Yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong. I'm not skeptical. You know, I'm just gonna have to wait for Tim's review. Um, you know, uh, other people's review to see if I want to see this. You know, you'll definitely get a good idea of what the consensus is before it comes out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> knowing if it's another Batman v Superman scenario or not. But well, I mean, it it, it was the same thing with uh, Killing Joke. You know, the the animated movie. Um. I knew something was up, but I just didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but 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 we'll get to that later. Yes, so, we will. Um, but yeah. the other thing I wanted to ask you too about uh, not just the trailer, but that image of Batman's new suit. Um, what do you think of it? Do you see a big <laughs> difference with it? Because definitely, it's a the color, the gray color of it's a little darker. Yeah, I've heard reports about or people talking about how the cowl is a little different. But I got to be honest, when I saw the trailer in this image, besides the color of a suit looking darker i didn't notice too much 
difference with it. And I'm kind of saw a few people on Twitter saying how they ruined a good. Well, I shouldn't say ruined, but the first one in Batman v Superman was so perfect they shouldn't have left it. And I can agree that that was perfect. And if they didn't change anything, it I wouldn't mind. But at the same time, I really like this one too. It's not a total departure from it, just a little darker in at least in my opinion of it. So I, I like it, but not quite as good as the BBS one. Yeah, I like both. Um, I like the... <laughs> That's the perfect answer. I you should have just said I like both. <laughs> yeah, I like both of them. Uh, the, the BBS one, it looked worn, really worn. Like, I mean, Batman had been doing uh, his Batman thing for a while, you know, it, when we see him in that movie. Mm. And it looked all cut up and... You know, it, it it was the Millennium Falcon of <laughs> of uh, Batman outfits, right? <laughs> it wasn't the the most prettiest thing, but you just could tell where it counts. Just got it where it counts, exactly. Oh, that's awesome. So, so with this one, it it, it looks nicer. It, it it looks more. How do I put it? Um, it, it looks sleek. It looks more sleek than yeah. the, the, the gray and the black. Yeah, it is still gray, just like a real dark gray. <laughs> yeah, it's a darker gray, yeah. Yeah, but I, I like both. I it's like still going to look awesome on screen. Yeah, there's that great shot in the teaser where you just you see him drop down, to which I think is going to be those underground tunnels where they go look for the parademons that we heard about in the set visit. So, yeah, it definitely looked great on screen, so I don't think it's going to be anything to worry about as far as, you know, if it's going to affect your enjoyment of it as far as Batman goes in Justice League. So, yeah. Just want, curious to get your opinion on it, because I know I've had a lot of discussions on social media, and was something I didn't get too caught up in, because like you said, I, <laughs> I like both too. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Justice League, I'm super pumped for it, and just so glad that Warner Brothers decided to put this out, and I know it's mainly because they didn't want any leaks from <laughs> like what happened last year, but we the fans... I think should definitely say that we appreciated them doing this because they didn't have to. And Marvel definitely didn't do it on their panel. So it was kind of good to, on the DC front, we got to see all this great stuff. So yeah, just a really awesome comic con. <laughs> I mean, for Batman fans, DC fans, and for fans of just comic books in general, I mean, if you're like me, who loves Marvel movies and the DC movies coming up, it's like, you couldn't ask for a day that was better than this last Saturday where you got all this stuff. And even though I wasn't there, I was still pumped for all of it. But can't imagine for those who were there to get to see all this amazing footage from DC and Marvel. It just had to be a comic book fan's dream come true to be sitting in Hall H that day to see all this great stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's becoming a cliche now where almost every year we say this, but it's no better time to be a fan of all this stuff. It really is getting better and better with all these movies coming out. So and hopefully... They all deliver, and I'm sure there's going to be some misses along the way, but I just think we're in for some great stuff down the line, and these trailers definitely yeah. got me pumped. Yep. Uh, my biggest takeaway from Comic-Con, I'm sold on Wonder Woman, uh, <laughs> her, her solo movie. Like automatic first day going to see yeah. type thing? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I didn't really have that feeling with Suicide Squad, mm. but with Wonder Woman, yeah. Um. I'm there at at midnight, yeah. even though there's seven o'clock showings now. Yeah, I'll be there at seven or hopefully six because I've been noticing a lot of six o'clock showings. At least where I'm at for some movies. So I wonder why. I know. Well, earlier the better for me. So yeah, right. 
but yeah, I guess that's going to do it for our Comic Con recap. So again, just tons of great stuff. It was great last weekend. <laughs> Sitting at home, following social media, seeing everyone's reactions, and then seeing the trailers is so much fun. I love it this time of year <laughs> when we get yep. all that stuff. Definitely. So I guess with that, we can move on to another big piece of news. I guess um, is the Killing Joke animated movie review. Yep, you know, this is a big thing I was looking forward to all year, and yeah. I was so excited that we got to see it on the big screen at a movie theater. I think it was so great that Warner Brothers did this, and hopefully they'll do it again, because it did pretty darn well. I think it made $3.5 million on that one night, on its first night, Yeah, so it did really good. But going into it, uh, unfortunately, had my expectations dampered just a little bit. I was still excited for it, but... There was some controversy about the movie during Comic-Con for a scene that came out. And then there was some stuff at the panel that was disappointing to hear. Like Brian Azzarello said yeah. something that you know he probably shouldn't have said to a fan. Right. So there is, unfortunately, there is a lot of negativity going into it, which you know I don't think there needed to be once I saw the movie. Because, yeah, I guess let's just get right into it. The big thing is the prologue at the beginning of The Killing Joke, which we knew about going in, how there's going to sh- show more of Batgirl before you know Joker shoots her in the story, and we're going to see more of her in her, uh, interaction and relationship with Bruce, but didn't think it was going to go down <laughs> the way it did yeah. in the story. So, yeah, um, we knew there was going to be a, like you said, Tim, we knew there was going to be a Batgirl prologue, we just didn't know what it was. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's, it wasn't too good. No, it wasn't. I'm sorry yeah. to say. <laughs> and, and, and for the wrong reasons, too. The, yeah, and you know what? For the wrong reasons. I mean, the big thing was, that, of course, that everyone was talking about and got up in arms about is they have a sex scene on top of a yeah. roof in costume, which it's ridiculous. I mean... I thought we kind of moved past that point in superhero stories, like hero character doing that in costume and all that. It gave me flashbacks to the Catwoman number one issue <laughs> with her and Batman. Like, meh. not to mention, you know, you always think of Bruce as more of the father figure for Barbara, and just that whole relationship they have always felt a little weird, even in Batman and the animated series when they hinted at that. And yeah. the big thing in the Batman Beyond stories that Kyle Higgins wrote. And I always defended that because I, they needed a good reason for Dick to hate Bruce so much as we knew he did in the animated series and in his comic stories. And that was, a, I think, a good enough reason for Dick to feel that way towards Bruce. So that's why I always defended the reasoning in that story. But in this one, in The Killing Joke, it just didn't work. And you know what? Really, my big problem with that whole prologue was it just... Had, didn't add nothing to the Killing Joke movie. It really didn't. I mean, this movie is supposed to, you know, be the showcase of Batman and Joker's dynamic and their relationship as, you know, a hero and a villain and what makes, you know, them such great um, adversaries for each other. And I felt this prologue took away from that. I mean, it lasted a lot longer than I thought it would. I mean, it was going to, it was like almost 20 minutes, 25 minutes, yeah. something like that. So, and it had nothing to do with the Killing Joke. It was basically Bruce and Barbara trying to take down this. A uh, young mobster who's flirting with Barbara and trying to lure her, and Bruce is thinking, you know, you yeah, like that yeah. he's into you, and that's why you're yeah. going after him. It just didn't work, and it weakens the character. Yeah, Babs is a strong character. I mean, after the Killing Joke, she became Oracle. She helped Batman out. 
and uh, you know she could walk again and she fought crime again as bad girl. She's a strong character and it just made her weak chasing after after men and you know kind of just just awful writing it's just awful writing i'm sorry and which is surprising from brian azarello too you know how much we love his stuff (laughs) yeah and like i said it just weakens the character and it 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 makes her look so bad it makes (laughs) that girl look so bad it makes babs look so bad that Ah, it just rubbed me the wrong way and almost ruined the entire movie for me. You know, the thing that I had a big problem with, too, was, you know, the whole thing about her, you know, wanting to, you know, be in a relationship with Bruce and just how after, you know, <laughs> they had that moment on the rooftop where it changed everything. Yeah. I was avoiding her and she was <laughs> very upset about that. I also didn't like how she quit being Batgirl before the events of the killing joke. And I think that took away a big part of that scene of when Joker shot her because that just makes that moment have a bigger impact. It's a horrible thing Joker does to her, regardless if she's Batgirl or not, but knowing that it causes her to stop being Batgirl, it just adds more to that of what a horrible event that was for Barbara to totally change her life, where she had to give up doing something she loved doing too because of the Joker, but in this, she already stopped being Batgirl because of romantic drama between her and Batman, (laughs) which felt unnecessary so yeah i was disappointed with that and i thought it took away from the importance of the joker batman story of the killing joke and and it it took away from or it took away the importance of babs you know i mean i know what it was trying to do Mm. it was trying to make babs more of a character more, more more important than just somebody that you know get shot yeah but it, it did the exact opposite of that i mean she's clearly in love with bruce and she's chasing after him she's chasing after this mobster guy it just sounded like that was the main reason why she was batgirl which you know of course is not yeah <laughs> most batgirl stories like that's not her driving motivation so yeah. and what's even worse is throughout the I mean, after all of that, throughout the Killing Joke part of the movie, I couldn't help but think that that could have been written better. Maybe she realized she didn't need the Batgirl persona, that she was strong on her own and she could be the librarian or she could, you know, help her dad out. She could help uh, GCPD on the side, you know, or she could help Bruce. And my thing, too, and I I usually don't like doing this, you know, kind of, create my own scenario for how the story should have been because i always try to respect you know what they did put out there and get to us even though i might not like it but i couldn't help but think of a way that i thought could have been better because you know they had to expand the story a little bit to fill out that runtime which is understandable yeah but i was thinking because another pet peeve i have about that whole intro i just love the way the killing joke starts in the comic i think that would have been the best way to start the movie too with batman going to see the joker in his cell I just love how the book starts like that. And I think the movie could have started like that. But once Batman found out that Joker has escaped, then maybe him and Barbara, you know, kind of going on a little uh, 
adventure or whatever to you know try to find him and that's where we get a little more to the story and maybe not have the romantic aspect of it but maybe have you know batman try not to have her too much into it because you know how dangerous the joker is just to have that in there and not include this other story with this mob that has nothing to do with the joker at all and doesn't come back to play in the story at any point during the rest of the movie so to have it tied in with the joker more i felt it should start at the beginning with joker knowing that joke knowing that start with batman knowing that joker escaped and then her and bar him and barbara can go out and you know try to find him and have some other little subplots in there kind of like how it was in batman beyond return of the joker where they were looking for tim we had that little montage of them talking to people and doing certain things that's where they're trying to locate him so i thought that would have been better and maybe at that point learn how barbara how much she loves being batgirl and wanting to help bruce and you know save gotham protect gotham city and that way if we learn of how important it is for her being batgirl when we see her get shot by the joker it's even more heartbreaking to see knowing that she'll never be able to do that again so that's one way i would have went with it but we didn't and yeah thankfully though it's something where if you pop in the blu-ray you just go to the scene selection start right where the killing joke starts and yeah. watch it from there and then man you get a great adaption of the killing joke so after that stuff was over i was Wait, fully I into mean, it can, can i say one more thing about that prologue okay sure <laughs> it's the killing joke is very controversial right mm-hmm. yeah especially so. for bad girl fans because of what happens to babs so you cannot have a prologue where you weaken the character even more i mean it she she's just so poorly written. She she's she's written like a a romantic comedy from the nineties. <laughs> you don't want that for Batgirl. <laughs> yeah, you do not want that for Batgirl. And I know they tried, but it's like I said, I, I couldn't help but think, you know, th- throughout the, the rest of the movie that it, it could have been a better story where, you know, Babs Figures out that she doesn't need the Batgirl persona. She 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 doesn't need to go out and fight crime. She you know she she's strong on her own, being a librarian or helping her dad or Batman or GCPD or whatever. She it, that that would have been fine, but to weaken the character so much that when what happens to her happens. It, it, I don't know. It's, it, it's just bad, Tim. <laughs> I know where you're coming from, Dan. I know a lot yeah. of other fans who feel the exact same way. <laughs> it's, it's very upsetting, and it's... It's disappointing, really it's disappointing. disappointing. Yeah. Right, right. Because, like I said, the Killing Joke stuff, I absolutely loved it. It was everything I was hoping for when we got the announcement of this was being made, and then Kevin Conway and Mark Hamill were... Could it be the voices of Batman and Joker again? They knocked it out of the park. I mean, it was just so good. I got to say, know how when I read comics, and in particular The Killing Joke, even when I read that, how I always picture Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy, or not picture, but hear Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill's voice when I'm reading comics. And it was exactly how I heard them in my head when I read The Killing Joke comic before. It just They nailed it. Certain moments like, the way Joker says, here's the crime uh, at the end, where after he shoots Barbara, that was delivered so perfectly by Mark Hamill. And then that whole end sequence at the very end where Joker tells the joke with Batman and Batman tries to offer to help, help him 
because they you need they need to do something different, or else they're gonna end up killing each other. Killing each other. The way they delivered their lines was just so perfect. I was eating it all up, and how it ended with the laughing. How was just Kevin Conroy's laugh at the end in the space of black? It was almost hunting in a way, and they did leave it open ended. You know, the whole thing where did he kill Joker or not? So yeah. there was no sound effects that made you believe he did. It was just Kevin Conroy's laugh, and I thought that was a great way to end that sequence, which was so good. I mean, it, it, it was exactly how I heard it in my head when I read The Killing Joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's funny because that's exactly how I heard it. Yeah, and even the flashback sequence, too, I thought were done really good. Mark Hamill yeah. did a great job of being <laughs> just the normal Joker. And I know everyone likes the way that Joker has no origin. You don't know what it is. And, but I agree with that. This is Joker is probably that one character where I don't necessarily need to see an origin story but at the same time too i do like it when we get backstories for characters so i always like that aspect of the comic and it was brought to animation in a superb way here it's just so good i love how it was edited together with the moments where you see the joker then you get the flashbacks and the performances by mark hamill was good the animation was great it had that black and white feel to it like it was in the comic just really well done and then, too, a moment I forgot about when I was watching the movie was uh, where Joker does his uh, loony song <laughs> from the comic. I, for some reason, I just wasn't thinking about that. And then when it happened in the movie, it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And how was it going to sound? And it was funny to hear Mark Hamill sing it. And it reminded me, too, of the yeah. part in Arkham Knight where he yeah, does that song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like anytime Mark Hamill sings, I want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's in the Joker voice. Yeah, so that was great. I loved the dialogue exchange they had where Batman was chasing him in the like the fun house and Joker gives his classic line of saying how if I were to have a pass, I prefer it to be multiple choice. Mark Hamill yeah. delivered that great. Just the little bit of action we got there too was really well done. I just I loved it all when it was a killing joke. So it's almost like the tale of two movies really. <laughs> so yeah. the beginning, it's almost it's almost two different movies. It really is. That's why yeah. the beginning doesn't fit to me. Right, right. It, I I know they needed to add stuff, especially. I mean, w- once we get that beginning scene, like you mentioned, with Joker in the cell flipping the cards, it's pretty much the entire Killing Joke yeah. graphic novel. But it's I know they needed to add stuff, but they just went at it the wrong way. Yep. So, yeah. If I were to score it, I'm going to give it a four out of five because I really love it. The, how they adapted the killing joke. I'd probably give it a five yeah. out of five if it didn't have the whole background prologue, but I'd have to knock a full point off of that. And mm-hmm. I really wasn't a fan of it, so I'd give it a four. Mark Hamill was awesome. I think this was more of a Mark Hamill showcase than it was the killing joke. That's true. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, he really knocked it out of the park. Kevin Conroy, you can't say enough about the guy, enough good about the guy, yeah. you know? Yeah, and despite yeah, the story not being good with her, yeah. uh, it was great to have Tara Strong back as Batgirl. And Tara Strong, yeah. right? Even though her parts weren't so good. <laughs> she still has a perfect Batgirl voice, though. Exactly. Um, so, so I should say, too, one thing I want to mention, this, the movie theater experience it was great. Before they yeah. actually started the movie, they played one of those special features documentaries, which is Mark Hamill, you know, talking about him playing the Joker for so long. And during that, they showed little clips from Batman the Animated Series episodes like Laughing Fish and Joker's Favor. And just see it on the big screen, 
was a pretty cool trip, I gotta say, because that's something I never experienced before. I mean, I saw Phantasm, but actual episodes of Batman the Animated Series on a big movie screen was pretty cool. It made me think, you know, we should just have some theatrical runs of some episodes. That'd be really cool. <laughs> it, was, it was, like, really neat seeing it on the big screen, so just wanted to throw that in there. And another thing I have to uh, mention is I liked how this this movie felt the the killing joke part of it mm. where it was dark and yeah. it was creepy and i i, I like that feel of uh of this animated movie and I, I i hope they do more of this sort of you know theme you know um and i also like how pretty much nothing has changed they they, they don't approach the um they, they didn't approach this movie differently from a, uh, an animated series episode. It's weird how it looks almost exactly the same as an animated series episode. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they didn't even change it up, which is a good thing. Um, but like you said, it was the prologue. It, it was They should have just made the killing joke into a, a shorter movie. You know, I, or I even think, do something like the year one uh, movie was, where it had just year one, and then it had that Catwoman short attached to it. Yeah, they should have just done that, so the background thing doesn't, you know, take away from the actual Killing Joke movie. Yeah, this should have just been the Killing Joke, uh, forty-five minutes of it. Um, you know, a, pay, a panel by panel remake into an animated movie. It didn't need that prologue, so. I'm going to give it two out of five. Two, wow. The killing yeah. joke stuff wasn't enough to <laughs> bump it up a little bit. Um, that Well, that's why I gave it two. <laughs> uh, Mark Hamill is great. He, the, this, I think, is might be his best performance as the Joker. Uh, of course, Kevin, Kevin Conroy is always good. Um, Tara Strong was good. Uh, and... It's it's really great how they just panel by panel remake it into an animated movie. Um, so I'm gonna give this two out of five because of the it was good. The Killing Joke part was good. It's just the the prologue. It just missed the mark. <laughs> yep, yeah, I agree. Even though my score was higher, yeah. <laughs> I just love the Killing Joke stuff so much. Right, <laughs> but yeah. Also, after that, they showed the movie in the panel at Comic-Con. They announced what we're going to get next year as far as DC animated movie goes. And uh, we're going to get Justice League Dark, which I know a lot of people are excited for. But really, I, I, that's one I really don't care about. <laughs> I've never been into you know, the supernatural, supernatural and mystical side of DC stuff. So that one I'm not super excited for. But I am glad we're getting Justice or the Teen Titans Judas Contract movie finally because I remember this is one of the original three announced back in 2007 when they first uh, revealed we're getting animated movies based on DC stuff. It was Superman Doomsday, uh, Justice League New Frontier, and Teen Titans the Judas uh, Judas Contract. And 10 years later, we're finally going to get it. So (laughs) I'm curious if it's going to be, you know, just like the comic and the original lineup or if it's going to be based off the Teen Titans we got earlier this year in Teen Titans versus Justice League where it's with Damien. So interesting to see where they go with that, but I'm just glad they're doing that comic. <laughs> it only took 10 years. I know. 
<laughs> and then we're going to get a new Batman and Harley movie that's going to be by Bruce Timm, which is cool. And I'll definitely be looking forward to and see how you know that looks and what actually the story is going to be. Because we already got some great Batman Harley stories in the animated series with uh, Harley Quinnade and Harley's Holiday. So I'm curious to see what other scenario they have planned for a Batman and Harley story. So that's what we have to look forward to next year as far as DC animated movies. Hopefully it's, uh, you know... No no prologues that take away from it. Yeah. <laughs> Any Hopefully of the main it's story. better than uh, the prologue for The Killing Joke. Which, you know, shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. But anyway... Um, that's, you know what, actually? Oh, before we move on, Dane. Yeah. Uh, since we're going to be transitioning into a conversation with Alex and listener feedback, I should actually give the responses we got for the... Justice League trailers and Wonder Woman trailers and The Killing Joke on Twitter when I put the word out to see what fans wanted or thought of them. Okay. So I put out a poll for the new trailers we got at Comic-Con because we didn't talk about it too much because it was mainly the same trailers we got before, the little bit of new footage, but they did show another Suicide Squad trailer at Comic-Con, which was cool, but like I said, nothing really too new in there because the movie comes out next week. So uh, that wasn't too big, but According to the poll, that was the second <laughs> one a lot of fans liked because uh, Justice League got 61% of the votes as their favorite. Suicide Squad came in second at 24%, and then surprisingly, Wonder Woman at 15%. Wow. Yeah, I was shocked. <laughs> you see, it was kind of, the, kind of the opposite for me. It was Wonder Woman, Justice League, and... Suicide Squad. Yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I, mean, I thought for sure that Wonder Woman at least would have been closer to Justice League. Yeah. But then uh, for the Killing Joke, after uh, went, I went to the premiere on Monday asked to see what people thought of it, and we got a response from Jeremy Thompson who says, It was a great adaption, not the best, and could have done without that one scene. I think you know which, but yeah. overall great. And then uh, Terrence said that he loved it. And then um, we actually got a response from our good old buddy Mike from Australia, who we haven't heard from in a while. So wow. Good to hear him on Twitter. Good. He says, the Batgirl story was good, but the hookup felt forced and f- felt forced to cause a riff. Classic mm. ending made better by great voice actors, which I think is perfectly said yeah. <laughs> right there. It sums it up nicely. So, yep, seems like, at least on the Killing Joke, a lot of the fans are on the same page as far as that prologue and then the rest of the movie, which is cool. And then a lot of people like that Justice League trailer more than Wonder Woman, at least those who follow us on Twitter anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, thanks, guys, for responding. Always love hearing the feedback on, you know, the big stuff we get in the DC Batman universe. So thanks for the responses. Yeah, it's great to get, you know, a, a, a full gamut exactly. of, you know, responses. You know, Terrence really liked it. Um, I can't remember who that other guy was, uh, that, that first guy that you read. Mm-hmm. Uh, he thought it was great, but didn't like that one scene. Uh and Mike was, you know, pretty much echoed our our thoughts on the movie. So it's it, it, it's great to hear everybody's res- responses to the movie. Yeah, and I'm, knowing how much controversy you got before it even came out, I know everyone's yeah. going to have a unique opinion on it. And also, I'm glad I didn't know what it, exactly it was until I actually saw it. Mm, okay. Yeah. So I'm kind of glad I did so I can kind of prepare myself, <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of not be shocked when i saw it like oh man that's all i was thinking about as the killing joke was going on i mean i heard about the brian azarello stuff but mm-hmm. i didn't hear specifically what it was gotcha I mean, yeah 
Um, anyway, I guess we can move on to our conversation with Alex and listener feedback. Uh, Tim, did you want to read Alex's email? Sure, let me just bring it up. Because I don't think I have... I don't... I don't think I have enough energy, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I got you covered. It's it, it's a long one, but it's a good one as always. Right, Tim? As always. And he <laughs> says, hey guys, thanks again for another, oh, there's no time for this intro stuff. That Justice League preview was, okay, okay, I can't skip the intro. Thanks for last week's spectacular episode. The new Paul Dini novel sounds great. He goes, all right, Justice League preview. I liked it a whole lot. It's kind of funny that everything is getting so much more cheery and everyone likes each other now that Superman is gone. <laughs> that's that's an interesting way to look at it, but he's kind of right. I don't right. think that's exactly it, but if you want to believe that, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, I love what they're doing with Bruce Wayne. They even changed his costume. I prefer the lighter gray, but it still looks cool. It's interesting that he doesn't have a problem revealing his secret identity to Barry and Arthur, but I like it. It's neat that he's with Diana getting a band together. Aquaman's role in BVS was pretty lame, but this trailer totally turned me around. The free really shot was so cool. Uh, you know, I could picture a whale jumping over right there. We might see something like that if we get that shark panel from Justice League, uh, <laughs> the comic that we got in New 52. Yeah, I mean. I'm excited for an Aquaman solo movie. I also like how they're Peter Parkering the Flash. The second favorite chair guy was a little too neurotic for me, but I enjoyed the rest of what we saw. No mustache. It was cool to see how comic accurate they got Cyborg, but man, is he shiny. I think Cyborg is a great character, so I was happy to see him. I wiped BVS from my head, and I'm pumped for this movie. Hopefully the rock music was just in the trailer, because I don't want that cheese in Justice League like BVS. That's another thing we forgot to mention in the trailer. They played uh, Icky Thump from the White Stripes, which was, you know, kind of a odd choice if you were to tell me that that's what they're going to play for the first Justice League trailer. But I thought it worked, and I don't think we have to worry about hearing that in the actual movie. So far, the first two movies, well, Man of Steel had some, you know, actual uh, songs from bands in there, but I think for the most part, it's going to be the score we get from, I think, Junkie XL, who's confirmed to do it. So, Yeah, Hans Zimmer isn't going to be doing it anymore. No, right? Yeah, which is disappointing. Yeah. yeah. And he goes on to say, Lego Batman, that looks fun. I was never a Lego guy, so I wasn't planning on seeing the movie, but I just might. I thought the trailer was hilarious. And I got to be honest here, I have yet to see the Lego Batman trailer. <laughs> Hope it doesn't make me a bad Batman fan, but so much other stuff going on, I just haven't had a chance to look at it. But It looks really, really funny. That's what yeah. I keep hearing. I got to check that out. See, I, I feel bad now. <laughs> And Alice continues, Judas, Judas Contract Adaption. I love the new Teen Titans, and I have been waiting for this since they announced the adaption in 2008. Let's see, Alex is right there with me. But they, have, but they haven't been as faithful as I would like with most of the movies I've seen, so I'm apprehensive. I've skipped watching the recent adaptions, so it doesn't look like it's something for me. It's no sweat. There's an old guy in a relationship with a young girl in the comics, so I wish Bruce, Tim, and company would have adapted Judas' contract before adapting the Killing Joke to get across relationships <laughs> out of their systems. Black. <laughs> <laughs> I read Bruce Tim's explanation for it, and it was even more disgusting. Double black. <laughs> By the way, is it true that Joker skips going to prostitutes on the nights he visits Barbara? A review of the film said there was an implication that say it ain't so <laughs> if that's the case i shouldn't be surprised since azarello interpreted joker as a pill popping rapist in his joker story i'm sure there's some good stuff in the movie but i'm sticking with my comic yeah there's that one sequence in there but 
I don't think it was really that big of a deal where Batman investigates or talks to these two prostitutes. Yeah. I mean, he did that in Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, even though they didn't have any dialogue, but it's something that we've seen before. And, you know, Bruce Tim, I think I said that he's never implied, you know, Joker didn't go there because of that night with Barbara. He never implied that he raped her. Even when he read the comics, that's not what he thought. So yeah, I'm going to take him at that and think that wasn't the case. So I don't think. Yeah. And it kind of, he kind of let me down on this one, Bruce Tim. I think this is the first time he's let me down. You see, uh, you know what? I understand. And I just think it was weird reading his interviews about it. It's almost like, he didn't like want to be involved with it. Like he never really wanted to do that. And he was kind of saying, yeah. well, this wasn't my decision. I didn't do this. This was from that, this and that. So it was kind of like maybe shifting the blame, but at the same time, I took it more where it was like, he never wanted to do this in the first place. And, Oh, I see. But I could be wrong, but that's kind of the impression I got. And yeah, I know what you mean, but I should say I was really disappointed with his justice league gods and monster movies. <laughs> that was like my <laughs> first big Bruce Tim disappointment. So, <laughs> This prologue is probably the second one too, but yeah, he st- he still got it though when he adapts these classic stories. <laughs> once we actually got the killing joke, well, well, I mean, now that you said he kind of didn't want to do that, I, I, I guess, I guess not. But Never he mind. is still involved with it, so I just yeah. don't think his heart wasn't was in it from the beginning. That's kind of my big thing about it. So yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, those uh, new Harley Batman movie will make up for it. Yeah. He goes on to say, Alex, that the new adventures of Batman making a pseudo return with a great reveal. I'm not familiar with the Nickelodeon Turtles, but I'm stoked that my Batman is returning. Hopefully it helps give the higher ups the push to release Batman the Animated Series on Blu-ray. Yes, that needs to happen soon. <laughs> I bought my DVDs used and most of them don't work. So I've been waiting for that. Most of season three and four work, but I'm missing a lot of the best episodes from the first season. Yeah, man, that sucks. Yeah, Especially that uh, second a volume set that has some of the best episodes on there so <laughs> yeah if they don't get a blu-ray release alex maybe just buy them off amazon or something like that because you, you gotta have them <laughs> they're just too good and he goes on to say suicide squad still looks good i love the use of music in these trailers jared leto has done some pretty bizarre stuff on set to show his dedication to the joker role so i'm more excited for him than anyone whose name isn't batman the man has hyped himself up like crazy so he has to deliver the goods He's played a lot of good movies, and I think he's a good actor, so I'm not worried. Enchantress looks really crazy. Also, I'm curious how they're going to convince us that Captain Boomerang is one of the most dangerous people on the planet. And Alex, as always, has some great questions. And his first one is, what are your top three most anticipated entertainment releases from now until the end of 2016? He says, Suicide Squad, Batman TMNT Adventures for a second, and three Snowden which I'm not familiar with. I don't know if I'm out of the loop on something, but I never heard of Snowden. Me neither. Um, yeah, for me, is, is Rogue One coming out this year? Yes. Uh, Rogue One is number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, two. Damn. No Man's Sky. Oh, yeah. The, the PS4 game. Uh, number three is probably... Rogue One. Can't fault you for that. (laughs) But I'm in agreement with you as Rogue One is still my most anticipated thing for the rest of 2016. And then I'm going to go with uh, Final Fantasy 15 on a video game front. Uh, I've been waiting for that for a while now. And hopefully 
it can bring Final Fantasy, you know, back to the glory days of being the best RPGs out there because I was disappointed with uh, 12 and 13. And for number three, hmm, what else is coming out? The Batman Team NT crossover is going to be awesome now that it's coming out in November. So, yeah, I'd put that as number three. I would say the remaining season of the Nickelodeon Team NT series because that's been gone for a while and I can't wait for that to come back. But the Batman Team NT crossover is going to be awesome, especially in the animated series. So, yeah, I'll put that as number three. And he goes, as of right now, what are your top three most anticipated entertainment releases of 2017? He goes, number one, Justice League. Two, Spider-Man for the PS4. I just want to web swing for five minutes straight. I'll make it my, it'll make my day. And number three, Beauty and the Beast. Um, for 2017, this one's probably going to be pretty easy. Episode 8, Wonder Woman, Justice League. <laughs> and I could go down the list because there's more of the Marvel movies. Like you said, Spider-Man. Well, this is the PS4 version, but Spider-Man Homecoming, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. 2017 is going to be an awesome year for movies. But my top three are Episode 8, Justice League, or actually Wonder Woman, and then Justice League. And Dane, what about yours? What are your top three movies or entertainment that releases for 2017? Definitely Wonder Woman. Uh, it, it, it's a tie. Wonder Woman slash episode eight. <laughs> <laughs> and hmm, how about your review of Justice League? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully my review will turn into you actually seeing it because it's going to be so awesome. That's the best <laughs> case scenario. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's my three. And his last question is, what are three non-design related things that the comics are still better at than Batman the Animated Series? I know you guys prefer Scott Snyder's Mr. Freeze origin more than Heart of Ice. It was quite shocking to me when you changed your stance on it, Tim. <laughs> oh, I can't do that to you. I know you lost the bet. <laughs> Thank you, Alex, for realizing that. You don't know how hard it was for me to say that that year. <laughs> I think it was all of last year, 2015, I had to acknowledge that. But yep. that's behind us now. <laughs> but as far as things that are still better in the comics in the animated series, um, I'd probably go with Bane, how his origin and how he's brought into the comics was still a lot, definitely a lot better than the animated series one where you just a hired you know hitman for uh, Rupert Thorne. The comics definitely did a better job with that. Hmm, what else? The animated series is so much stuff better yeah. <laughs> than the comics. That uh, I don't know. Feel well, free to chime in and yeah. anyone you have, Dan. <laughs> I'm still thinking. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say uh, the the size of their stories, the sheer size of their stories. I think. It's it's a little more epic in the comics. Yeah. You know. Uh, I guess, you know, not to say that it's bad, Dane. I know it's one of your favorite episodes. But I guess for Two-Face's origin, I did like how it played out in the long Halloween a little better than the animated series episodes. Even though it's yeah. still great. But I think I just still prefer the long Halloween version. <laughs> I actually agree with you, Tim. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> actually, a little surprised by that. <laughs> um, hmm. Darn it, Alex! You did it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe if I had more time, since I didn't get the email so late from somebody, but <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, won't name names, but Bane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now I just got Two Face and Bane as far as ones I still like better in the comics. Yeah, and I got uh, the, the sort of size of their stories. Yeah, um, pretty much everything else animated series is better. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm gonna regret like not thinking of anything. Like I'm gonna listen to this back and be like, dang it. Should have said yep. this. Like, how can I forget this one? Yeah. <laughs> but I guess we'll worry about that next episode if we think about it. Like, yeah. Uh, all right. As always, thanks, Alex, for another great email and questions that stumped us as usual. <laughs> At least he, always, he, he always makes it so hard on us. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah. that we'd have it any other way. Exactly. Though. Yes. Yeah. But we also got another email from uh, Jordan, who you know interacts with us on Twitter, which is cool that he decided to send us an email. So Jordan says, Hey, Tim and Dane, I've just finished listening to your latest episode, and I wanted to give my two cents on Alex's question about which stories best represent your top five favorite Batman characters. Alex always asks really fun questions, but this, one, but this was one of my favorites. So here it goes. Number five, Catwoman, The Dark Knight Rises, the perfect portrayal of Catwoman. She betrays Batman for her own benefit, but then ultimately redeems herself and saves Gotham City. You know, that is a good one. I remember when it first came out and we gave our review for Dark Knight Rises, I said this probably could be, or if not is, the best interpretation of Catwoman. Because I really did like Anne Hathaway's performance and her story in that one. So there's a good choice there, Jordan. For Dick Grayson, he goes, uh, Performance from Young Justice Season 1, Episode 24. A heartwarming story where Dick returns to Haley's circus to investigate a crime wave. Some things never change, like the side of a Grayson on a trapeze. Yeah, I haven't seen that episode in a while, but I did remember that being a good run from Young Justice. And number three, he says, for the Joker, the killing joke. Joker at his most evil. Love the idea of him wanting to prove even the best of people can go as crazy as he is with just one bad day. Also tells a brilliant origin story that connects perfectly with his present day plans. Yeah, another thing, too, I didn't realize until I watched the... The Killing Joke animated uh, movie mm. was Joker goes down pretty easily. It, it's it's kind of like he wanted to be caught in in the end. Yeah, I don't think he he didn't really care about being caught as long as he proved his yeah. point that Gordon goes crazy after all he did. Yeah, but he didn't prove his point, and then yeah, so you know, Batman and him have the fight, and he just pretty much yeah, he just gives, gives up, up after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah which. You know, it all turns into a great finale with those two characters. Like I said, I just love the dialogue they have at that end. And just hearing Hamill and Conroy's voice, oh, so good. <laughs> he goes, for number two, Batgirl, um, or he goes, for Barbara Gordon, he goes, Batgirl, you're one. A great Batgirl origin story really showcases Barbara's personality well. Details her first encounters with Batman and Robin and her finally gaining her trust and gaining their trust. A lot of fun action. That's a story I still got to read. I know I've heard so much good stuff about Batgirl year one. But <laughs> I just haven't had a chance to read it yet. It's got to put that on my bucket list. Yep. And for number one, Batman, he goes, I got to go with Mask of the Phantasm 2, Tim. A story that both takes place in present day and acts as an origin story as well. The way I often like to describe it is that Andrea was Bruce's last opportunity to not be Batman. The door to Bruce having a happy life without Batman was still ajar until Andrea left him and spiraled down the wrong path, at which point it closed forever. 
It's a heart-wrenching story, and it gets to the core of who Bruce is as a person. Couldn't agree more, Jordan. That's exactly why yeah. it's my favorite interpretation of Batman. The animated series version, but then if you're really going to narrow it down to what story, it's Masculine Phantasm. So, couldn't yeah, like I said, I don't know why when we talk about the best Batman movies, this one is kind of forgotten. I know. Unless a question or a discussion specifically says live-action Batman movies, yeah. Phantasm must be brought up. Yeah. No question. And then he concludes by saying, keep up the great work on the podcast. Eager to hear what you guys think of Batman number three. I think it's my favorite so far. Gives us more insight into who Gotham and Gotham Girl are. And man, does Hugo Strange look frightening in this. I don't think the new heroes are going to have a happy ending, by the way. Also, I'm going to see the Killing Joke movie in just two days. Definitely wanted to hear your thoughts on that soon, too. And a question for you guys. How would you rank your top five animated bat suits in Batmobiles? So for this one, had to give it some thought since I had plenty of time to. <laughs> I did come up with five for each. So my top five animated bat suits, it'd go number five, Brave and the Bold. Great, you know, golden era look of the blue cowl and cape and with the gray and the yellow uh, oval symbol on the chest. Just a classic design that was brought, uh, brought into animation really well, I thought. The number four I'd go with in from the Gotham Knight animated movie, the Deadshot short. I love the way Batman looks in there. His costume is perfect. And if someone said just the words Batman anime, the way he looks in that short is exactly how I picture it. So I loved how that translated. Then number three, Batman Beyond costume. I mean, that's the classic suit in its own right, really. It's almost, no, I shouldn't say it's as iconic as the regular Bat suit, but in its own way, in the Batman Beyond story, it is iconic. And then two, the suit Batman had in Justice League. It was a great way of having the nice blend of the original animated series look of the black and blue, but yet I love how his ears were a lot bigger in Justice League, so I love that design. But number one would be how he looked in the new Batman Adventures. I just love the black cape and cowl with the gray suit and with just a simple black symbol, black Batman symbol on the chest of this uh, costume. But just a simple look, but I loved it. And that one's always going to be my favorite for animation. And then for Batmobiles, this one's a little tougher because, well, my number one's not going to be any surprise. It's going to be the animated series one. <laughs> it's a great nod to the Tim Burton one, but yet had its own unique design. The number two is the new Batman Adventures. It looked totally different, but it was a cool, sleek look that was one of the better Batmobiles. Uh, just not just animation, but I think live action and comics, too. The number three, Batman Beyond. That's a great, updated, futuristic-looking Batmobile that could fly. So how can you not like that one? Then the Brave and the Bold is pretty cool, too. Like, it had a modern design mixed with a classic look that had, like, the bat face on, like, the front of the car, which I like. And the number five, when I looked at it, um, it's not one you think about too much, but the Batmobile from The Batman was pretty cool. It doesn't look like a really, like, a Batmobile you would think to see in Batman stories, but it's a really cool-looking car regardless. Like, even if it doesn't look like a typical Batmobile, it's still a nice-looking car. So that would be my top five. I don't know. Which one's come to mind for you, Dane? Which some of your favorite um, scenes in Batmobile? Yeah, it's definitely going to be a come-to-mind kind of... Uh, and, and I don't think I can pick five. <laughs> <laughs> my name's not Tim. I don't, you know, research this. <laughs> I don't make this my life. <laughs> yeah, you're just not as nerdy as me, Dane. I'm sorry. Yeah, anything animated series, Tim knows about. <laughs> um, Batmobiles... Uh, I mean, uh, Batsuit, sorry. Um, three, I'm going to say uh, the new Batman Adventures. Uh, two, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 
uh, Under the Red Hood, that bat suit. That is a good one. And number one, of course, it's going to be the animated series bat suit. It's simple. It's plain. It's perfect. Um, Batmobiles. The, the the only one I can think of is the animated series one. The, you you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty much the best the best Batmobile. And I love how it's pretty much being used as a new Batman comic. So it's a really cool yeah. nod to that. All right, and then Jordan just says, "You see, uh, oh, sorry." Yeah, I was gonna, I, I was just gonna say and watch Jordan's next question is gonna be. What's your favorite uh, bat computer <laughs> uh, interpretation from the animated series? Or <laughs> uh, you know what? Bring it on! <laughs> I'll gladly research that and look closely. What bat computer is my favorite? Or, or or decorations in the bat cave? <laughs> Giant penny. <laughs> that that would be actually a pretty fun discussion. I would say. Yeah, because there's so much you can pick from. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yep, so Jordan just finishes off by saying, thanks to keep up the great work, guys. So Jordan, thanks a lot for sending in an email. Like I said, it's great to interact with you on Twitter, but definitely awesome to have you send an email that you could send your thoughts on a variety of subjects and not just limited to 120 characters. So hopefully we'll hear from you soon and to hear your thoughts on The Killing Joke now that you're hopefully listening to this episode and heard what we think. We'd love to hear what you think about it also. Yeah, and- definitely. Thank you, Alex. And thank you, Jordan. Yep. Um, but anyway, I get. I, I guess we can move into the comic book reviews. Yes, we can. Um, again, like we say on every episode, if you haven't read your books, pause it right now and read Batman number three, read Detective Comics number nine thirty seven, and read Nightwing number one, because we're going to spoil the crap out of them, right, Tim? Yes, we are. All right. So, uh, our rating scale for this episode is going to be Tim. What is it? I don't know what is it going to be. <laughs> um, how about? So, yeah, uh, if we, we can go back all the way to the beginning for what we first talked about, like jerseys Chris Sale cut up because they were uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That'll be it. So, all right. Tim, just uh, start us off on Batman number three, then. Batman number three. I'm. Definitely happy to say this is the best issue yet from uh, this new run on Batman by Tom King. This story, I really like this issue, I have to say. It was mainly an origin for uh, Gotham and Gotham Girl. I like how it started off because it reminded me a little bit of Batman 89 where you see this couple, they're walking, it's on Park Row, the same place where Bruce lost his parents. This couple and their son, they're walking down the alley after from a movie theater and they get held up by a guy with a gun. And I kind of knew it wasn't going to be Bruce because the kid was a lot older. His parents, you know, didn't quite look like Thomas and Martha Wayne. And even the gunman, he was just this guy in like a white beater shirt. Uh, he did not look like Joe Chill. So I kind of knew it wasn't going to be Bruce. But I didn't know Batman was going to come in and save him, which was awesome. And I love the monologue that was going on here. This was being told by uh, Gotham's, the guy who's, who's Gotham, the hero, his dad is like monologuing saying how, you know, when you live in Gotham, you know, it's something that just living there, it changes you. It's, it's not something that you like, but you like, you turn into it and you become it. And it was kind of a, reminded me a little bit how Snyder, Scott Snyder used to write his opening monologues about Gotham and how it changes you and it affects you to become someone that 
most people who don't live there like can't understand. So I did like that monologue, and then seeing Batman save this couple and their son from this gunman was just awesome because you know this is like probably the most important crime that Batman can stop because you know this is what sent him down the path of being Batman. I loved how he snaps that guy's hand. He just tells him no and just slams him in the wall. And, and instead of you know just flying off and uh, leaving the people there, the victims there, he actually talks to them, which I like because this is the scenario that Batman would stay and talk because, you know, like I said, this is the most important crime to him that he can stop. Saving a child from what happened to him happening to to this enough. <laughs> I repeated myself here, but it's true. Batman saving a kid from happening to what he experienced from happening to him. So it's just great. I loved how he was saying that you're hurt, but um, you're going to be scared, but it's okay to be scared for a while. Everyone gets scared. The thing to remember is that everyone gets an opportunity to fight that fear. Everyone gets a chance to be brave. And I just love how that sticks with their son. And it goes on to say how where or transitions into the present where we see Gotham's parents talking to someone who has, you know, a match in his mouth and some sunglasses and a mustache. So <laughs> they're still trying to hide it, but you know who it is who doing this investigating. So his parents are talking about how um, after that encounter with uh, Batman and being saved, uh, their son just kind of became obsessed with Batman and wanting to help and do good to people. And you get this great moment where his sister comes in the room saying she had a nightmare, she's scared. He's all like, if she can sleep with him, he's like, yeah, that's fine. Everyone gets scared. And then you see his room is decked out with Batman posters. And knowing that uh, this kid was obsessed with helping people, that rubbed off on his sister. So they both kind of dedicated their lives to helping people, doing charity work, feeding the homeless, visiting hospitals. And then there was a really cool panel that shows them lifting up weights, which I thought was a cool nod to the panel that showed the origin of Batman and the going way back <laughs> to the early stories where it has that image of him lifting the weight and with just like a tank top on. There's a nice homage to that. And so it tells them how they went overseas to help where, you know, in places that really need help. And they're, uh, as for their parents are rich. And so they're asking for some money and they sent it to them. That's kind of the reason why they're being investigated to find out, you know, what, but why they sent so much money to them, but we get revealed that this isn't someone from the FBI investigating. It's Bruce as matches Malone, wanting more information on the history of Gotham and Gotham Girl, which I thought was a cool way to bring matches Malone in there, and definitely something Bruce would do to get information on these new heroes to see what they're all about. So once he's done, he gets a message from Al- Alfred that you know there's been a bomb on a on a Gotham bridge, and Gotham Girl and Gotham are there to stop it, but they need help from Batman. And there's a pretty cool action sequence where uh, you see Gotham and Gotham Girl trying to hold the bridge with their sheer strength. But then Batman comes in on his motorcycle and then calls the Batwing remotely to like put all these uh, rope uh, wires across the bridge to help sustain it and to keep it from falling down. So they save the day. And then we get a moment here that reminded me of from the end of Batman Begins where Batman lets them know that he realizes who they are and remembers that moment from when he stopped uh, for his parents from being murdered because Gotham was about to tell him when he says like, see, I was a kid. My mom had this necklace and Batman just sends erupts and say, it's good to see you here. It's good to see what you did with your fear. This reminded me of, you know, that moment where he said, it's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me to let Rachel Doss know 
that he's bruised. This was kind of the opposite. He was saying that it's good to see what you did with your fear to let Gotham know that, you know, he remembers that night and knows who he, that he's that kid that he saved. So I like that moment. Got a little Batman Begins vibe there, which was cool. But then another bomb goes off. So Gotham and Gotham Girl go to check it out. And they get confronted by Hugo Strange, who was there with the Psycho Pirate, who I haven't seen since like 2006 during the whole Infinite Crisis uh, story and all those tie-ins. And so he was pretty much, uh, he was that character from the last issue that Hugo Strange was showing all those different personalities with. So apparently that ended up being Psycho Pirate, which I got to say is pretty cool to have him back because he was definitely an interesting character in those Infinite Crisis stories. And so he was kind of saying he's how he's the masters of emotions, his, theirs, and yours, alluding to Gotham and Gotham Girl. So I really like this issue as far as the origin of Gotham and Gotham Girl played in nicely paralleling Batman and just the effect Batman can have on people who live in Gotham was just really cool. So I dug it. Um, I liked how it wasn't necessarily something where that I mean, I don't think it's going to go this way, and I hope it doesn't, especially after reading this origin where Gotham and Gotham Girl are going to end up being bad and they have an ulterior motive. Because it definitely seems like, you know, they're in this for the right reason as being inspired by Batman. So I do like that aspect. And regardless of what happens to them, whether they survive the story or if they somehow sacrifice themselves or get killed, I just hope they their origin remains intact, that they did it for the right reasons and they, you know, they weren't actually bad guys. So I'm happy about that and hope it stays that way. So I'm going to give this one four out of five jerseys that Chris Sale cut up because they were uncomfortable. Definitely the best issue since Batman's uh, rebirth line started. So definitely got me invested in the characters and looking forward to see where it goes from here. Yeah, and I'll I'll agree with you. Uh, I like this issue. Um, and I couldn't help but think, where was this issue with the two other issues, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this quality, yeah, where was that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, we get the introduction, and then we get them see, uh, or we get we get to see them um, in action, and then now we get their backstory. Kind of should have been the other way around, maybe, a little bit, or combined. Mm. Um, but, regardless, I I really like that beginning where for some reason, I thought that was Bruce, and I was like, "Oh, we're going down this lane again." <laughs> and it, it it didn't it didn't hit me until you see the the gold chain instead of the pearls, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, okay, this isn't this isn't Bruce's situation. This is uh this this has to be uh, Gotham or Gotham Girls and or whoever's situation, right?" Um, it's really great to see their backstory, how ever since that day they've done nothing but try to help people. And I just really want to know how they got their powers. I know. That's the big it, mystery so far. Yeah, yeah. And I pretty much, pretty much this in, entire issue was good. I liked how they, they tried to save, uh, what, what was it, Tim? Uh, what, the bridge? Yeah, yeah, the bridge, sorry. <laughs> Uh, I liked how they saved people from that, and I'm not sure how I feel about the ending or the cliffhanger with uh, Hugo Strange. I don't know if I like that or not yet. Um, I think like this, this entire th- these three issues have been. I think it, it it's gonna have to be a wait and see. But overall, I loved reading about 
uh, Gotham and Gotham Girl and their origin story, and now it makes sense. And I I, I kind of want them to stick around past this story. Yeah, I'm in agreement with that. I didn't feel that way before, but now knowing their history, definitely yeah. got invested in their characters a lot more. Yeah, yeah. So uh, with that being said, I'm going to give this one four out of five. Uh, sorry, three and a half out of five uh, jerseys that uh, Chris Sale cut up because they were too uncomfortable. Cool. Yeah, definitely glad. <laughs> At least for right now, Batman got on the right track and hopefully it stays there. Yeah. But but you know what I it, or it kind of confuses me is um, the numbering system. How come Batman is at number three, but uh, Detective Comics is at number three nine thirty seven? Yeah, I think they just wanted it for action and detectives, and so it was a their first two big you know comic lines <laughs> yeah. when DC first started. So yeah, you could probably make an argument for Batman and Superman to go back to the original numbering, but I think they felt that detective and action were the priorities for those were the first. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, 937, yes. um, or Detective Comics number 937, uh, Tim, why don't you tell us about that one? Yeah, just another solid <laughs> entry yeah. into what's turning into a great run of Detective Comics by James Tinney. And, uh, another, probably not my favorite issue out of the uh, four we got so far in the story, but not to say it's bad, it's really good. Because with this one, I think this one develops more on story than character uh, interaction, which the other ones did such a great job on, because there's really only one sequence in this issue with the rest of the team, with Red Robin, Spoiler, Orphan, and Batwoman, and it was great. They definitely had good chemistry, like they always do, but it was just you know not as much as the past issues. But this one was more Batman focused, and Batman had some great moments. I loved how it started off with the Batman soldiers getting into his utility belt, and they're you know saying all the different items he has in it, like antitoxins. Uh, batarangs <laughs> but someone says like more batarangs like how many does this guy have here then one of them even pulls out the kryptonite like this can't be and the guy says, yep i bet it is but i don't even want to think about it so just seeing how you know impressed they are with the equipment batman has and they have batman held in this uh containment you know uh batman you know he's they realize he's planning to get out of there somehow because they have this x-ray monitor where they're able to see he has something in his mouth and he says, hey, look, there's something in his tooth. He's like, open your mouth, Batman. So he, he just gives a little smirk, spits out his tooth, and some gas flies out <laughs> of his containment center through the energy bars. And he's out in like two seconds after that gas, gas comes out and just takes out these Batman soldiers, which was awesome. And then you see where, the, where these guys are operating at. It's pretty much their own Batcave. It's designed like it. It has these own trophies and statues like the Batcave have. There's this one cool thing where there's a world with a giant bat sitting on top of it, like looming over the world, and you see Batman soldiers training. So they're really taking it all as far as uh, designing themselves and basing uh, themselves off of Batman on every detail, which I think is cool. It just goes on to how devoted uh, Batwoman's father is to making an army of Batman. And then we get another sequence where Batman is pretty much in like the IT section of the compound, and he's looking at someone's computer, which has like a location of all these sleeper cells of this army. And you see someone come in who's like almost the tech guy of the Bat uh, army, and you see him boasting to Batman like how almost like he knows Batman better than Batman knows himself, and Batman's not having any of that. He, he tries to get the information out of him. And he shows them these videos of like where their team's located, they're operating, and just you know how 
even though they model themselves out after Batman, but how far away they are from Batman's ideals because Batman sees this video of them storming into an enemy base and just taking out guys, shooting them, snapping their necks, you know, doing stuff Batman will never do, except maybe in Batman v Superman. But <laughs> uh, definitely that's something we see Batman in the comics too as far as shooting people up. Um, so he, that's the first question he said after he sees that video, like how many fatalities, you know, that's his main concern. And how he was saying how, you know, the typical line people use, this IT guy saying, you know, we're just like you, but we're doing everything better. Like, uh, like I know you're clever, but I'm one step ahead of you. And Batman's like, no, you're not. And then he just saw, he sees the guy's about to take, pull out a gun out of his jacket to try to shoot Batman. But Batman sees that coming. Like, he has some x-ray uh, monitors in his lenses, too, because you see the guy's skeleton through Batman's eyes trying to take out the gun. And Batman just snaps his arm <laughs> just before he could even pull the gun out, which was awesome. But then he gets ambushed by more of the Batman soldiers. And they, they're able to take him out. Well, I just said should they take him out? They're able just to stop him for a bit as they <laughs> throw him out of a window. And as he falls out, he's confronted with uh, Batwoman's father, Jake. And <laughs> that's a small thing, but this feels weird seeing hearing Batman call someone Uncle Jake, <laughs> knowing that he is family. This is a little strange. But then you know it goes on to this whole thing where he's doing this. Like I said, you have the right ideas, but you're going about it the wrong way. I'm going to use uh, Kate to lead this army. She's a born leader. Then they get into the real reason why, and that's because uh, Jake says that the League of Shadows is coming to Gotham. And Batman is saying those things that the League of Shadows are a myth and that the League of Assassins are a real threat. I found that interesting because it's usually the same thing in most stories. They're just either called the League of Shadows or the League of Assassins because in the animated series, there are the Society of Shadows, Batman Begins, there were the League of Shadows, and Arrow, there the League of Assassins, and, you know, it always goes back and forth, so I find it interesting that they're actually saying they're two different organizations, so curious to see how that's going to develop, but as uh, Jake was about to pull a gun on, pulls a gun on Batman and is about to, you know, shoot him, Batwoman comes, surrounded by a giant pile of mud, which is why Clayface, and, you know, Tim was able to get them into the secret compound, and it just ends with a great panel of all the rest of the team just about to charge against Jake and his army of Batman soldiers. So looking forward to next issue being some cool action with the whole team, including Batman. So uh, looking forward to that one. But this issue was another solid one. Again, I think this new stuff that gets revealed as the story goes along is just so good. So I'm fully invested in it. Not the strongest one of this new run yet, but still a solid one. So I'm going to give it three and a half out of five jerseys that Chris Sale ripped up because they were uncomfortable. Again, it's, uh, like you said, another great issue. Um, I don't really have much to say besides <laughs> what you said. Uh, Clayface. You forgot to mention Clayface, Tim. I did. <laughs> Clayface should, ha- like I said, say every episode, should have his own, um, his own monthly or bimonthly series because I think he is one of the stars of this story. Um, I, I, I like where this story is going. Uh, I especially like how James Tinian is writing, uh, Colonel Kane because it's easy to take a likable character or a character that's been a, a good guy for a while and make him a bad guy and just do it just 
badly, I'd say. And it seems like James Tinney is taking the right steps to make him not so much a bad guy, but somewhere in between a bad guy and a good guy. Kind of like that neutral ground because, yeah, he captured Batman. He's he's getting all these guys together. But he's also he also knows that the League of Shadows is coming. Mm-hmm. Right. Doing it for the right reasons, but going about it the wrong way type of right, thing. Right, right, right. And he's writing that extremely well. And and to put uh, the Colonel or Colonel Kane against his own daughter, uh, Kate, it's it's again one of those things that can go badly, but it seems like James Tinney is taking the right steps again. Um, I like how he writes uh, Kate, and I can't I could say that I ha- I couldn't say that for a long time. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since uh, Hayden Blackman and uh, J.H. Williams III got kicked off the book. So um, I'm liking where the story is going, especially now that we know the, the uh, League of Shadows is coming. So, you know, I'm, I'm just excited to see where this one is going. Uh, and, and I kind of want to see uh, Batgirl... Uh, What's her name now? Uh, Orphan. Orphan. And uh, Clayface and Batwoman actually take on some guys and see what they can do. So you see them working as a team, you know? Exactly. So, Which I think we're going to get in the next issue. Yeah, it seems like it. So, and, and they have such a great chemistry together. Yep. So. Like, like when they were lost in the, the sewers. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good. So um, I'm looking forward to this uh, This. Um, this story and i have to say that this is the second best book of rebirth it's definitely the better bat book yeah it's definitely the best bat book yeah but i think overall it's the second best rebirth title right now um so i'm probably gonna give this one four out of five uh uh jerseys that chris sale uh tore up but that while that might be the best yes. unfortunately no it's not the best <laughs> <laughs> Nightwing, uh, yeah, I'm sorry oh. to say. I mean, technically we're just two issues in, but uh, I've been disappointed with it. I'm sorry to say. I was so excited to have a Nightwing come back, but so here's my big thing with it. It's pretty much almost like Grayson, where he's you know undercover infiltrating, you know, a, a villainous organization, but instead of you know being a secret agent, he's doing it in the Nightwing costume, and I don't know why just. Since they already told that story in Grayson, I don't see why they have to do it again in here. Because, like I said in the last in the Rebirth special, he's pretending to be in with the Parliament of Owls, which in and itself, I'm sorry, just make it the Court of Owls. Do you really need to expand what was already established into something else? But yet, it's kind of the same thing. And maybe there is more differences that were expanded on in Batman and Robin Eternal that I didn't read. But I just think the idea of having two separate things that are Basically, the same thing of the Court of Battles is, I don't know, kind of a dumb thing. But regardless, that's the main setup of the story. Dick is, you know, they're telling Dick or Nightwing that he's going to be teaming up with this other mercenary guy. Um, and it's like a thing where you have to do it because Nightwing has to work alone. But, you know, they're making the threats. We'll kill Robin if you don't do what we say, even though Nightwing got that bomb out of Damien's tooth in the last issue. So... The, pretty much the best part of the issue was where you see Batman and Robin training in the Batcave and Nightwing's looking on and then 
from the background Nightwing shouts out pointers to Damien. He's all like, Damien, Batman always dodges to the left and hits right. Watch his right. And that catches Batman off guard, and then Damien actually gets a punch in there. So the dynamic between Batman, Damien, and Nightwing is still some good stuff. I'm just not fully buying into the story that Nightwing is going on. And to me, it seems too familiar for Grayson, where they might as well just kept him as a secret agent if he's still technically being a spy. Then we got this another nice moment was where he meets with Barbara kind of, uh, you know, one last time before he goes off on his mission. And he was thinking it was a date, but Barbara shows up in her full costume. But it was, you know, it was it was great to see Dick and Barbara interacting with each other, which, you know, we haven't seen too much of, or at least I haven't read too much of lately. So that was nice. And then the issue ends with Nightwing meeting up uh, with, his, with his new partner that he's going to team up with. And he... That kind of says, like, Nightwing kind of tells him, you know, I can do this alone, nothing personal, but, like, I've already been trained by the best partner there is, so there's no need for you. But then the guy shows while he's probably is Nightwing's superior, he just lays into him, starts beating him up, and uh, he basically reveals that he knows all about Nightwing and his history, because at the end of the fight he has, he goes, he's like, because he tells him everything Batman has taught you is wrong. And, of course, the whole storyline is titled uh, Better better Than Batman. So it looks like this guy is going to try to train Nightwing. Maybe we'll see Dick actually accept uh, this new guy. You know, I'm blanking on his name. <laughs> Sorry, it wasn't that memorable, which is why I probably can't, you know, it doesn't come to mind right now. But uh, well, maybe we'll see Dick accept this guy to be his teacher and he'll get new training and develop him to be better than Batman. Um, maybe that will offset more of the spy stuff. If we see Dick training with this guy and learning new things, questioning himself, maybe. But at the same time, I don't want it to be where he eventually realizes that Batman is wrong. I don't want him to start thinking, you know what, this new guy is right. Bruce was wrong. I, because what Batman and Robin, as far or Dick Grayson have, and the bond they share is something special. I don't think that could ever, you know at least from the stories we got in this continuity, can't be broken by someone just telling them, you know, my way is going to be better. So um, we'll see where it goes, but I'm just not digging it right now. Sorry to say. Hopefully it will get better. And again, it is just, you know, two issues in, but um, well, that will have to get a lot better for me to get, you know, excited as I was for uh, the Nightwing run that Kyle Higgins had in the New 52, because I love those. But I'm going to give this one just a two and a half out of five jerseys that Chris Sale cut up still waiting for nightwing to get off the ground and make me excited for the book oh that <laughs> uh, was right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, unfortunately it's been disappointing for me uh, hopefully those who like grayson are enjoying it because i know grayson definitely had its fans with all the secret agent spy stuff so yeah we'll see well did you want to um or we're we're gonna be doing a new thing where we review Wonder Woman just because it's been so, so good. Oh, yes, it has. <laughs> this, for me, anyway, has been the the best book of Rebirth so far. Um, I, ju- I just can't say enough about it. So, Tim? <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. This Wonder Woman's firing on all cylinders from the origin story to the current storyline going on with this issue number three was about. Uh, I really, really, uh, what I really liked about this issue was the relationship and the dynamic that Cheetah and Wonder Woman have. And I've kind of forgot that it established that she used to be Wonder Woman's friend the way early on in the Justice League uh, story from New 52. 
it was like issue 12 or 13, something like that. It was the third arc, I believe, where it established that uh, Cheetah used to work with Wonder Woman and helped her out until she got turned into a Cheetah uh, by, by cutting herself on a dagger that she blamed Wonder Woman on. And just to see their interaction in this issue was really good. I just love how Cheetah goes to attack Wonder Woman, saying, like, this is her fault and that, you know, you used to be my friend. And then Diana is like, and so I remain your friend. That has never changed. And just the artwork is just so beautiful on this issue. It's so good. The facial expressions on Cheetah's face is what makes it. And just realize, you know, how hurt she is. And then at the end where they're getting attacked, because there's this, the Wonder Woman is trying to get Cheetah to help her find the mascara because uh, technically it's missing and she can't find it because she's trying to learn the true history of her origin. Because in the Rebirth special, it kind of made you question, was she really created by, you know, Clay and brought to life by Zeus like we always knew it? Or is it the New 52 way where Zeus is actually her father, her real biological father? So that's what she's searching for answers for. Then uh, they get ambushed by uh, this leader who has his men, or his worshippers, as Cheetah calls them. Um, he has this pr- name that's real hard to pronounce. <laughs> um, it's like... Karaka or something. Yeah. <laughs> or is that Karataga? Something yeah. like that. But... There's this great moment where Cheetah just lays into one of his minions, just like these animal creatures, and just starts ripping at him and tearing him apart. And, you know, just yelling, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a beast. This is all I am. Like, and, like, this is what he made me. And Diana's trying to comfort her. Like, you are my friend. You're still a human. You're still a woman. And you just see the facial expression, the tears coming down at Cheetah's face. It's just so, like I said, it really brings on the point of how, like, a tortured character she is. And at the end, you know, she says she's going to help Wonder Woman find the mascara, but only if she promises to help Cheetah kill that unpronounceable name of the guy who made her to Cheetah. And Wonder Woman says, that I will, you have my word. And then uh, that, uh, I don't even know, I guess I'll call him like a warlord or whatever. Uh, he has a minion who Steve Trevor is looking for, and they end up finding him in this you know ancient temple that's surrounded you know, by vines and trees in this jungle. And Steve, so it looks like Steve Trevor's storyline and Wonder Woman are going to cross paths if they're trying to find this Urzer Tar- Targa guy or whatever they pronounce his name. So uh, definitely a great issue. The dynamic between Wonder Woman and Cheetah was some great stuff, and the arc is just phenomenal. So I'd give this one a four out of five jerseys that Chris Sale tore up. So good. This yep. is great that the Trinity of DC Comics, all of their books have been really great. Superman by Peter Tomasi has been great, Detective, and now Wonder Woman. They're all just been firing all cylinders. Yep, and I agree with you. Uh, the the Wonder, Wonder Woman and Cheetah scenes were great, which is t- takes up the bulk of the 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 issue, and even the Steve Trevor stuff. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't really expect to like that, um, but mostly the Wonder Woman Cheetah stuff. Again, I didn't know that they used to be friends. Yeah, I forgot about I, that too. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big Wonder Woman. I mean, my my knowledge of Wonder Woman is pretty much just basic, right? Mm. And I didn't know they used to be friends, and it it, it looks like they're going to be back to being friends and helping each other out, and finding Diana's way back to Samascara because she forgot where it was. Um. So yeah, I'm pumped for this book. Again, like Tim said, amazing art. This has to be the best drawn book, right? I would agree, yeah. yeah the tech yeah. is pretty good too, but this one's just a notch above it. Yeah. I 
I love this book. So <laughs> I give this four out of five jerseys that uh, Chris Sale – I almost said Tim Sale. <laughs> <laughs> Chris <great> Sale <laughs> tore up because of whatever reason. <laughs> Um, so with that, I guess we're done for this, um, this episode. Yep. It was so a big go, one. A lot of yeah, awesome stuff long, to talk about. Yeah. Killing Joke, Comic-Con. Great uh, comics. Great comics. Uh, and I'm glad to say, you know, great comics. <laughs> what was the last time you actually said that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, with the New 52, it kind of, you know, I kind of stopped reading it, but now I'm back I'm back on reading the comics, and I'm go- uh, I'm happy to see where they're going. You know, yeah. they're all good. Hopefully, it sustains this quality because yeah. yeah, so far it's yeah, so good. Um, so just go over to BatmanUniverse.net on Facebook.com/slash BatmanUniverse. Twitter handle is at BatmanUniverse, and you can follow the show on Twitter. The show's Twitter handle is at BatfansPodcast. Uh, Tim's Twitter handle is at TimG311. Darn, and we're having such a good episode. Too. <laughs> <laughs> my Twitter handles at Dane says banana. And if you want, you, if you want to be like Jordan or if you want to be like Alex, you can email the show at badfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. So with that, like we say at the end of every single episode, we love you. So just remember, if you're feeling alone in this world, that Tim and Dane love you, right? With all our hearts. All of our hearts. With that, see you guys next time. Later, everybody. There is a stranger who comes to this village from the sea. He comes in the winter when people are hungry and brings fish. He comes on the king tide. I was last night. Talk. I believe that an enemy is coming far away I'm looking for warriors this stranger others like him I'm building an alliance to defend us it's very important that I see this man Barry Allen Bruce Wayne you said that like it explains why there's a total stranger sitting in the dark in my second favorite chair he said he'll fight with us? More or less. More more or more less? Probably more or less. He said no. He said no. Look, man, I don't know who you are, but whoever you're looking for... That feels like an oversimplification. I'm putting together a team. People with special abilities. You see, I believe enemies are coming. Stop right there. I'm in. You are? Just like that? Yeah. I I need friends. Great. Can I keep this?
about you. Didn't think you were real. I'm real when it's useful. Arthur Curry. I hear you can talk to fish.